I thought you were dead. Sun out of your eyes and be yourself. I heard you were dead. She's dead, wrapped in plastic. That man's dead back then. It was worse than dead. He must be dead. Is this a dead man, Doctor? Oh, God! Oh, Jesus I have uh, some PG tips here, you ninny. Oh, my God! I got this spot of tea, shepherd's oh, tea, man. hen. All right, it's tea time. You know what I'm saying? Welcome to Roast Mortem. It's the only show worth citing on any research paper that you do. I'm Tom. I'm tra- or pickup limes. I'm Travis. I'm Adam from Houston. Adam from Houston, from Who Gives a Shit Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm a huge fan of your storytelling, your show. An honor. An honor to have you, sir. <laughs> I am happy to be here. Uh, you are a podcast that I never miss, that I have tackled the backlog on, and have taken certain episodes and listened to dozens of times just to try to absorb everything because it's so fucking insane. Uh, I get I get what your podcast is trying to accomplish, and I love it. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Thank I mean, as long as we got someone's dick wet, and you mentioned before we started rolling, you've used us for pickup lines. I just want to know more. Did you get like... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I did. Fuck yes. Good. We're changing the no, world not, time. Not that, not that day, but it set the hook. Whew. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I said that... Uh, Oh, uh, going after uh, going after cougars is a time-honored American tradition. Benjamin Franklin wrote about it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he was a player. It's real history right there. He was a uh, fan of the French, as we know. Oh, that means that he likes syphilis. Fr- F- family issues, family drama, out the ass. Right, dude. Well, that's like, you know, French kissing with your penis and a vagina. It's it- going to happen. Gonna- uh, Mia. Did, did Iceberg Slim commit any mail fraud? That's a good question. I don't know. He was smart enough to. That's what I gathered from this. I wouldn't put it past yeah, him. Yeah. Well, he said he had an IQ of 175. I mean, I wonder how accurate that shit is. Well, But look, a dude's got a lot of snap, that's for sure. Yeah. I, I will tell you this right now, right off the top, before we even get into our character, that he lied about that one. That That's for sure. Cause the, uh, oh, yeah? Yeah. The, the prison records uh, where he took his first IQ test said that he was just hovering over 100, uh, which is technically above oh. average. My IQ is 95, according to Texas, or the Texas <laughs> Department of Criminal Justice. Do they, do they have, like, different IQ tests state to state? Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they make you take IQ tests, but here's the deal. I know if you had a high IQ, if you get in trouble, they're going to tell you that you're too smart to be getting in trouble, so I bombed my IQ test on purpose. Damn. Fuck yeah. I, I believe that, because you sound very smart often. And, Wait. Uh, I feel yeah, dumb. man, I'm so smart, I'm stupid, man. It, it's, it's, a, it's a conundrum that's got me in trouble many times. <laughs> Before we get into to Ice Barg Simpson, what are we doing? I don't even know who this man is. Oh, yeah. So, uh, uh, but, but the most important part of the show, the reason why people come, tune in. I'm stealing it back, Tom. I'm right, stealing fine. it back. Fine. How's your week, Adam? How's it been? Oh, my week has been uh, fantastic. So, well, a week ago, I went on a naked bike ride around Austin. That was fun. We were protesting uh, fossil fuel use and I think promoting body positivity or some shit like that. But really, it's just a way to like see some bouncing titties on bicycles for about 10 miles. Fuck yeah. yeah. Wait, hold on. But I'd imagine there'd be some type of weird chafing on that. Like, or ball, <laughs> ball, ball smacking on the seat. 
Man, I was saddle sore for a day and a half, actually. And I had to drive back to Houston after all that shit. So my ass was kind of like, like, Yeah. That's why I do naked skateboarding. I, you should probably, Ooh. well, preparation H the seat, right? So you've just got it ready to go. I think, I mean, I, you, is, you is did preparation it. H a petroleum-based product? I don't think we can do that at this protest uh, or something. Well, yeah, then you'd be then you'd be supporting Shell and big oil. Well, you know what? Uh, the elastic waistbands, I believe that's also a product of that. So you are doing what needs to be done. Body positivity, you know, I can take it or leave it. Um, we talk but here's the thing. What's so great about this is this is on the sly a non-body positive event because of the length of the bike ride it kind of precludes out people that are so obese they're not going to be able to make that type of bike ride so the chicks that come to actually go on this ride at least have a certain modicum of a bmi (laughs) yeah no that's (laughs) That's that's, fantastic yeah that's some fucking like passive aggressive body positive some galaxy brain (laughs) maneuvers you can pull to texas sometimes man It, it, it makes you want like you know fuck terraforming mars let's just move all of the uh all the nude beaches up on like pyramids you know so you got to do there's a, like a nice a, there's a there's like a nude uh like rock face over on the edge of lake travis that's like it's like right next to everything and i'm like what there's just like you there's just naked people running around it's kind of like a state park of some sort or something like that hmm. that's and it's just there out in austin there's a bunch of like there's a bunch of really nice areas out there. Like Austin's a beautiful place. I can see why Joe Rogan and Elon Musk went out, went out there. Well, Lake Travis, that's my tub. Uh, a bunch of naked yeah. people mm-hmm. show up in my house, and we hang out in my bathroom. Yeah, the primordial just, Travis yeah. filled that lake full of shrimps and ate them all. Yeah, baby, <laughs> fantastic. Well, speaking of uh, Lake Travis, how was Week Travis? Oh, Week Casa de Le- Week Week Ode Travis. Yes. Uh, well, back in New York. Uh, as you may or may not be able to tell, this is an audio podcast. Yeah, what I'm seeing, Adam over here, I'm seeing Alexis, Texas. Yes, uh, Adam from Houston, and but I'm next to my buddy Tom. Yeah, it's you, good to you're see touching you. Touching me on the shoulder, and that's yeah. weird. It's good to see you. Yeah, it's um, good to see you too. I, I'm going to be upstate. I'm going to be doing a little bit of house hunting, trying to make sure my mom doesn't live on the streets. I mean, you live in Portland. You could just move right there. I could, yeah. Free housing out yeah. there, you know. But uh, here's a tent, mom. Yeah, we're gonna go up to uh, Kerr. Kerr. Uh, I was almost said it by it's the um, the slang name. Uh, we're going to Kerhonkson, which is now known as the Kerhamptons. Kerhonkson. It's a terrible place. It's nowhere near Ooh. the water, so I don't, you know. <laughs> but Kerhamptons. All right. Uh, what what makes you want to go up there? Yeah, I don't worry about it. It's just beer. Ah, uh, just spilling beer. Uh, I wanted to go up there because, uh, you know, I just want to be able to shoot a bow and not have to worry about killing a homeless man. All right, respectable. Yeah, I would be indifferent to that. Tom, what about you? Oh, uh, I almost drank myself to death last night. So Damn. yeah, I. It, I stopped drinking during the week, which I thought would be good for me, but apparently I'm an asshole, so I doubled down this Friday, and uh, yeah. You should have taken the extra step and sworn off shotgunning, too. Dude, I I am only on brown now. I That's his problem. Yeah, I, I have been drinking <laughs> monkey shoulder... Uh, Things that a man shouldn't be drinking the way I did drink it. So I'm going to try something here. I'm going to 
I'm going to try to turn a new leaf and be one of these guys who doesn't drink for a while and see what happens. I've never actually done that. I've, I've promised myself I would try it. So I'm going to go... Just uh, try something about hydrochloride. Yeah, you're the guy. Adam, you're the one that's like uh, intrigued me about Fenibut. Can't you get it from like Walmart or some shit? Used to, they used to sell it on their website. Like you could, you could get it like two years ago. Uh, but yeah, cosmonaut drug does all the stuff you like about alcohol without all the bad stuff about it. Other than you can't really do it every day because it's addictive, like alcohol is. Uh, but uh, yeah, look that shit up. Fucking the, the cosmonauts took it so that they wouldn't be shitting themselves whenever they shot off these you know rockets made out of duct tape and rust. Right, they had to be able to hold their shit together. It's like a, it it you know gives you the drunk brave stuff. So I need really, courage. I'll tell you what's a really good thing for a party: a little bit of Finnabut. And then some, and then coffee, just so you're kind of chatty and fun. Right. I'm a, I'm the guy who goes to every party with a coffee and a 12-pack or a bottle of liquor. You do? Yeah. yeah. Every time I go to a party, I will bring a coffee. And Tom, I'm also very upset because I show up and you're not drinking with your buddy. I know. This is, the guilt does set in I'm for like, that instance, I'm, and I, but... I will entertain you. I will st- I will drink more coffee than you've ever seen. I'm going to go the lengths to make sure this is a good show. I'm not going to let it get in the way. Uh, in researching Oliver Reed, I realized I had something in common with him, is that I don't like being sober at all. I really hate it. So I need to come to terms with it, so I, at least I don't hate it as much. Maybe just live in it. Get this cosmonaut <laughs> drug Adam's talking about. Well, that's what I'm going to do at some point. I don't know if I'm going to jump on that immediately, but I, I will be asking details, Adam. <laughs> All right, I got you. Yeah. Um, so, do, so, Tom, sober Tom. That's your new nickname. That's my new sober name. Sober Tom. Business Tom. Business Tom. Uh, without further ado, we mentioned Iceberg Simpson. Who is who? Are we doing? Yeah, Iceberg Slim is fucking in heaven. This dude is awesome. Yeah, this is a good one tonight, and uh, he's the world's most celebrated pimp, Iceberg Slim. Uh, my first introduction. I think a lot of people's first introduction about our age was a Dave Chappelle stand-up, where he talks about a section of his first book, Pimp. Pimp! Um, this is what the man is known for, not just pimping, but the way he writes. Did he ever get on someone's couch and be like, I'm Rick James, I can touch my couch. I'm Rick James! Yeah, that's spot on. Yeah. Really is. Was he ever, is Charlie <laughs> Murphy going to have to slap a bench? Yeah. Well, he was known to be snorting lines and shit like that, so I'm sure he's fucked up someone's couch for sure. Oh, absolutely. All right. So I'm all on board. For sure. Was um, he in Half Baked? No. Um, who's that? No. Samson? Cat Williams is more like Iceberg Slim. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of who else. Uh, a pimp named Slickback is Iceberg Slim. Like, he's like the stereotype of a pimp. I mean, they, they base the stereotype of a pimp off this guy. Yeah, because with his first book, he was able to kind of show the public what that seedy underground was like. He got okay. really gritty with it. He was hard on the details. Um, it's strange because it had a, 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 an effect on people where some people wanted to get into that lifestyle. But the idea of him writing the book was to be um, kind of a warning. Like, don't do this. Like, look at all the shit that I had to go through and how cruel I was and how terrible I feel now. and. And it had this weird effect in, like, <clears throat> in culture where you got guys like Snoop Dogg in a documentary talking about how great he was. But then, like, look at the shit that he released. And it's all glorified pimping shit. Like, he's the cautionary tale. But, I don't know, people like to take messages how they do. Yeah, but 
pimps or hoes have vaginas, and when you're the pimp, you get to test them out. You get to test your product out. Not if you're good. But he also talks about like the economy and shit like that because he's doing this shit during the depression and stuff, and uh, he doesn't really lean into it that hard. But it is mentioned, and so times are tough, and he's pimping hard, dude, <laughs> for sure. So um, let's see. This man did a lot of damage in his younger years. That's kind of like the premise of the books, as we mentioned. Um, he's just, he became, becomes this character in, like, um, in the black um, literary world kind of overnight. And, it, and he stirs some trouble later on with the books. And it's interesting how everything plays out. So without further ado, let's just do the show. Fucking show. All right, so we're dealing with black literary Jack Kerouac of pimps. Uh, this guy yeah. did a lot more work than Jack Kerouac. I'll okay, that. cool. <laughs> so he's born Rob Robert Lee Moppin Jr. A fucking Jr. Robert Ma- Lee Moppin Moppin. Okay, August fourth, nineteen eighteen, in Chicago, to Robert Moppin Sr. and Mary Brown. Now these two are total shitheads. His father proposed tossing the little iceberg lettuce on a church step at some point, and uh, his mom wasn't having that. She's like, no, I don't care that you gamble too much. You have to take care of this kid. So, uh, you know, what's the stereotypical thing? He throws the kid against the wall and goes, I'm fucking out of here. So you have a, a mother in a terrible situation right off the bat, borderline homeless uh, with, with his little baby boy. They were homeless. Yeah. They were out on the street for a second. As soon as she had like had him in her hands, she was going around offering to perm women's hair until someone let him stay over there. And then that's how she got just enough money to not be homeless for the time. They found a hotel. Yeah, they, that was like a very short lived thing. And I'm, you know, I'm happy for them that it panned out where she was able to use her trade. She was a really good hairdresser. And, uh, yeah, knocking door to door with this little kid in her arms. D- did he get life. his name from the lettuce? Or did he get his name from, um, nah. or the Titanic? Yeah, well, he's they called him Iceberg because he's the captain of the ship. Yeah, well, look, I, actually, well, I don't we're... even know. Are we going to get true? into that? I actually missed that. So Iceberg, he doesn't call himself Iceberg. No, killed. I totally made that shit up. Yeah, I was going to uh, say. He, <laughs> he was called Iceberg because there was a shootout that happened in a bar, and the bullet went through his hat while he was sitting there drinking a beer, and he just finished drinking his beer like nothing even happened. Yeah, and that might have been. Fabricated. And they said, "Dave, that's that's ice cold." He's like, "Oh, I like that." He was obsessed with being cold. Like, okay, well, but thing. I was just gonna say, if you had to pick a salad, like, because all right, times are tough, right? I mean, um, for this family at the time, you probably go with iceberg, the cheapest of the salad leaves, right? Right. I, like, I mean, no, I mean on on Christmas. Otherwise, you're getting water salad. <laughs> but here's here's a question I want to pose. If he had to pick a lettuce, what would you pick? You're never going to get through this fucking show. <laughs> no, we are. I just want to know what you what's your lettuce choice. If it, it, it man, if romaine, romaine, my dude. Okay, that's that's. You're right. going to say rocket like a fucking freak. I don't eat rocket. Nah, nah, nah. You got to like steal from eight different places. But if you can get a Caesar salad together, you are making it in fucking the Great Depression. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I eat like modern food. Not depression food like sugar on a piece of bread. So I don't know. I like to have fun with arugula and shit like that. Keep myself regular dark stuff, you know? Okay. Well, yeah. I'm just saying as a, my favorite salad, because we're going into depression, I'm trying to set the scene for you, Tom. Thanks. One of my favorite... America doesn't really have that much cuisine that is American. 
but meatloaf is there, which is my favorite salad. Spoken like a true American. Yeah. When he was three years old, he was sexually assaulted by his babysitter, a woman named Mauve. Um, she used to just take his little three-year-old head and just mush it in there, and uh, that's that's gross. Be traumatizing. It's pretty gross. Yeah. Not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was who was the person we did that 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 had that? Oh, Al, was it Alan? No, uh, William S. Burroughs, another writer. Oh yeah, his uh, his uh, what, what was it? His uh, nurse there used yeah. to used to make him ding dang. You hear that? Stuff. If you would like to have your kid become a famous American author, we have a we have a tradition. <laughs> we have a a time a time tried tradition <laughs> yeah. of getting yeah. your kid sexually assaulted. So yeah. you can if retire. you want to be big pimp and you got to get your practice in early or something. Yep. Yeah, oh, that's, right. that's terrible. Well, either way, that uh, you know, that dark cave of uh, misery probably sent him in a, a bit of a traumatic uh, way. Uh, Mary moved Iceberg to Rocheford, Illinois. Um, as we mentioned, homeless thing that happened a bit. So Mary meets a gentleman by the name of Henry Upshaw. Oh, now they lived with Henry for several years. He was a nice guy. He was a, a solid dude. He was the only man that Iceberg ever loved. Ugly as sin. Yeah. Ugly as hell. Yeah, that was one his one problem. Cardinal sin of, of uh reality. Don't be ugly. Um so Henry did really well for himself, probably because he had to fight for the things he had. Uh he had legally acquired money, which was odd in the Afri- African American community in the nineteen twenties. Um, yeah. not a lot of business owners. For sure. And um a lot of respect in the community, and he respected people around him. He was a stand-up citizen, and he treated Mary really well. But Mary took advantage of this ugly man. He was the cash cow. Wait, was was this guy also a member of the black community? Oh, yeah. well, yes. He, he, was, had, okay. he had the only business in the whole town. Oh, okay. He was the only I was... black man that owned a business. He owned a press shop, like... So, like, he would, like, kind of like, you know, the, like, the pressing suits and, like, laundry and stuff like that. Hell yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah it was it was odd. I remember, I forgot it. I, I, I didn't remember. Oh, hold for shit. Sorry, I forgot to turn off the old dehumidifier. That's going to get swampy in here. All right, um... Yeah, so he was he was a black man, and he had a press shop. He pressed some yeah. clothes, and he wasn't a doctor, and he wasn't a lawyer. Usually, like uh, black doctors and lawyers were around, and those were the people with money. But like a black business owner in a white man's world at the time, very, very particular. Right, like the brain surgeon that ran for president. Well, he's fun. Uh, little Ben Car- <laughs> ben, ben Carson, but is- I, I like Ben Carson. I like that he yeah. repurposed and uh, whitewashed the pyramids. <laughs> I like that. Anyway, uh, she even opened a salon with his money. He would just bankroll the whole thing. He was just like, Mary, I love you. I'll take care of you. Here's a salon. You're good at what you do. And, he, and they were making money. She's making money now. She, gave, she was given opportunity by this man. Very supportive. But obviously, she is trifling. Because you know where this is going, right? We all know where this is going. Mary met a hustler named Steve. Yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> Who uh, was a regular at the salon. He was kind of like a a huckster, I guess. Uh, They left Henry, which broke Slim's heart, and it broke Henry's heart. Henry died like a year later. Um, Last thing Slim remembers is Henry sobbing on the floor saying, don't leave, 
don't leave, please. I'll do anything for you, baby. And Mary just lied to his face, said we're only going away for a little bit. And Slim was like, women are terrible. At a very early age, he got to see his mom do something really horrible. <sighs> oh, man, it doesn't, it doesn't stop there. Not oh, even yeah. close. Oh, yeah. Um, so they run away with Steve, which is a terrible decision. Steve was a nasty gambler. He took $2,500 that Mary had saved up and blew it in a weekend. Mmm. $2,500 in 1920s money. That's a lot of money. People are trying to like. Yeah, it's like times ten, so they had like twenty five grand. Yeah, it's like people are trying to just make a meatloaf back then and just try to put it in their wallet and squish it in yeah. there real quick. They, they, they right. tricked off a car. Yeah, and now yeah, actually, so, back then a uh, Model T was like two hundred bucks. Yeah, it was it, it, like yeah, the direct translation. It's kind of hard to do with money. It was probably like yeah, you said it was like times 10 i think it's closer to the 20s is time times like 15 and then the cost of living against that was lower so the cost like what the money is actually worth was yeah. closer to but, you know times times 25 yeah. of what it is yeah whenever it whenever it hits around though you could get uh, in the sears catalog a uh, tommy gun for 200 dollars yeah, I actually have an old to- uh, old. No, I don't have an old Tommy gun. That would be, cool. be really expensive. I have an old Sears catalog from. It's a little earlier. It's like from I think nineteen oh five. But like you just buy assault rifles in this fucking magazine. Uh, it's great. That's the American dream. Yeah, you should be able to buy houses and that shit. Yeah, you, you could buy a whole house. Get those house kits. So Steve is a violent prick. He beat the shit out of both of them. He even murdered Slim's pet kitten in front of him. Like, he was looking down out of the window, and he's, like, standing underneath him, uh, looking at, like, a concrete wall. And this dude just freaking, uh, like, like, caves in this kitten's head against a concrete wall, like, while he's looking at it when he's, like, eight. No! Yeah. This is, (laughs) this is terrible people. Like, you know, I don't like cats much. I love cats. But it's a little over the top. You know what you do? You take the cat and you drop it off, uh... 50 blocks away. Yeah, they'll just come back as a smart boy, smartest man alive. Someone's going to find it, probably named Travis, and they're going to be like, come my home. Well, yes, because I have tuna fish that I keep stored in my back pocket. Put him in the sewer so he can learn kung fu. Yeah. Exactly. There's other ways to get rid of animals you don't want to. Well, this is, these are yeah. cats. You need, they're going to become a samurai, and they're going to eat pizza. Samurai pizza cats. This, this is a disgusting conversation. No, I want to move smart. along. I smart. hate this. Yeah, yeah. So, you should have. I mean, it's moral of the story. Don't smash cats in the head. All right, well... Yeah, there's a lot of tragic shit that happens in this dude's story, just so you know. He does not really spare many details. Why I gotta yeah. cry? I'm coming here to try to have a good time with my friends. Tommy, you try to make me cry. Do you want Adam, some... you try to make me cry. Do you want some liquor <laughs> so you can cry? Yeah. You do? No, his brown. stories do get wild and kind of hot, man, because it's not like he has any lack of play. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a bittersweet event, which is on Slim's birthday. Uh, Mary doesn't show up. And it turns out she had gone to the hospital to get her jaw wired shut because Steve had just smashed her in the head just enough, just hard enough to crack it. But after that, Steve ran away. So they didn't see him after that. So it's like, eh, it's the, you know, it could have been worse. They, he could have killed the woman. Well, yeah, and they're not sending, like, the law after this guy, right? He's just like, oh, well, give her a good old little punch and a kisser, and now he's gone, right? He's yeah. Like, well, if I see him at the donut <laughs> shop, uh, maybe I'll do something. Yeah, yeah. If he's ordering a Boston cream, I'll spit in it. <laughs> well, he probably likes that. 
He's a sick guy. So Mary moved her and Slim to a new apartment. She starts working at a salon that was right underneath said apartment. So yeah, there you go. They're on Rockford, Illinois. New, new life. Uh, at the salon, the young boy starts to take note of his surroundings a bit. Uh, witnesses some finely dressed men hanging out at the salon. These were pimps. These pimps of the 1920s. So, uh, Tom, can I p- stop here? Yes. Were pimps of the 1920s the same as pimps of the 1970s? Where, you, you know, you got these guys with, like, feathers in their hats and, like... You know, they got a fucking pimp cane and the pimp goblet. Kind, kind of. Yeah. That's coming. They're in. They're going in that direction. But right now, people are really struggling just to look good at all. Right. But now, how flamboyant things get, uh, Iceberg really kicks that up to a new level because he's really buying things that cost, like, a shitload of money. Like, his shoes cost five times as much as everybody else's shoes just so that he has, like, some freaking, like, pointed hoe-kicking boots. Oh, yeah. shit. It, it, it is true. Like, the archetypal thing. There's a lot of guys who are dressing real well, all the fancy shit, fancy cars, but he pushed that to the next level, and then it just became like a cartoon character over time. Right. Well, now my my, my favorite uh, history subject right now is the golden age of menswear, which I'm trying to emulate every day. Dude, just I trying like to your be tweet. so classic. They thought uh, capes were coming back in the 70s, man. I don't know. Well, no, no. 70s aren't the golden age. That's the Dow. That's polyester fucking garbage. But the 1930s and late 20s, classic style. Yeah. I what do you think? talk about? The late 80s, early 90s was the apex of fashion. <laughs> oh, yeah. The power suit was pretty big. I'm just saying. I am a fan of the 70s look, the late 60s, um, the gentleman's look. I like okay. pointed L- shoes. I just bought a pair of Chelsea boots that are very pointy. Oh, okay. But, All right. Iceberg wanted a, wanted a Duesenberg, which is where the term that's a doozy comes from, because this thing is like a, a V10 that fucking hauls ass. Like, these things could go over 100 miles an hour back then. Shit. Which is like yeah. a big deal. I'm not, like, much of a car guy. This is the first time I had heard of the Duesenberg, and looking into it a bit, um, it's, it's kind of interesting how, like, that was... It's kind of like when someone pulls up in a... I don't know, like a, like a Mustang, and they go, "I have a sick car," and it's just like that's that's not really a sick car. There's there's other things that the the Duesenberg was the um, it, it it was the Ferrari in a way, not uh, obviously not far. So so wait, we're jumping ahead a little bit. These guys aren't the the pimps that he sees aren't driving these Duesenbergs. Later on, he meets a gentleman who okay. is driving one who becomes oh, okay. okay. A, uh, he is a pimp, and he becomes a uh, character. Okay. Um, There's a lot of tribal pimp game passing down and stuff like that. Mm. Yeah, you have to. You need a mentor in a lot of ways. And Slim was smart. He had more than one. He kind of he made his way around a lot of dudes, made the impression, picked their brains. He was like, "This is where he starts meeting these pimps." By the way, like these people, he know like he's shining their shoes. He's getting to know these people. So he's like he's a poly yeah. pimp. He's just getting around. He's just like I'll take whatever. We yeah, he's getting all, get. all, all the of, relationships. Yeah. Not playing everyone's jealousy against each other. He's just trying to make some money, and yeah. they'll pay him like fifty cents to shine their shoes, which was a good amount of money back then. Yeah, right. Like later on, uh, I, I actually didn't write this into the script because this is there is so much detail here, and this could have been like a twelve hour episode, but um, there is a guy. Um, who he remember when he moves to Chicago later on? There's a guy who was a pimp whose shoes he used to shine, and he like interacts with the fella, and his life took a weird turn, and all this crazy shit. Okay. So I'm not like 
there's no way I could cover all this material without just reading the fucking book. So yeah. um, if I miss stuff, it's because uh, I respect my time. Anyway, <laughs> where are we? In his early teens. Right. He's seen all the horse stuff, as Adam mentioned. He's, uh, he's seen these people, pimps, horse in the salon. Um, and he sees some ugly shit because he's across the street from a whorehouse, basically. This is, there's a funneling of these people. He probably also sees some sick shit, too. Probably some hot bitches. And, yeah. You know. uh, one fella he meets is Party Time. A man named Party Time. <laughs> Called yeah. Party Time. What a fella. Now, I would best describe Party Time as a chili pimp. and uh, Like Red Hot Chili Peppers? Like, like, like Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, they offer nothing. <laughs> um, <laughs> they... No, so a chili pimp means that you kind of max out at one girl at a time. Okay. He's not really a pimp. He's more of a, like a, a short-term con man. Like, he likes coming up with schemes and shit. Like, he has a little pimping experience, but he's, he's just looking to scheme. All right. Yeah, or, or some petty theft. Yeah, he's big on that. Um, they, they had done this. Uh, I'll get to that in a bit. So he meets Party Time and starts picking his brain uh, a bit. <laughs> uh, also, there's a lot of terms in here that I learned. I really did learn a lot reading reading this stuff. Um, Are you like Luke Wilson in fucking yeah. uh, Idiocracy with with Upgrade? No. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Not to derail, but there was one term that has gone away in America but didn't go away in Australia, and that's screw. Like a prison guard. That is still People still say that in Australia. I never heard that one time the whole time I was down. I was down for almost a decade. Or, so, well, no, sorry, half of a decade, my bad. <laughs> right. Uh, I, I didn't hear, like, the amount of language that's being used in pimp that is totally foreign to the average person today, myself included. Right. It's just like, oh, my gosh, like, I, I'm an idiot. I don't know anything. <laughs> I am I am white. You got to relearn because you're white. No, it's fun. So one of these terms is, like, party time was the kind of pimp that was likely to get Georgia'd. Now, Georgia'd is when... You're put in a situation where you think you're going to get paid for your sexual deeds, uh-huh. and then you, you get skipped out on. You're a sucker. Like, okay. So you can do that. Uh, women can do that to men if they're just trying to get laid, which is kind of what he would do. He was involved with freaks, um, which were better known today as cucks. Um, ah. So he would lay pipe in white women. And oh. their their doctor, lawyer, husbands would hang out there, and he lay pipe. And, They're like, um, oh, Gertrude, so, that is a great pipe you have received. Yes. So there's even times with party time getting like Georgia'd by these people. Now he got laid, but he was just like, hey, that was part of the deal. I don't love your wife. <laughs> what the hell's going uh, on here? Y'all heard about the story where I got involved in something like that, right? Please tell us. Yeah. The floor is yours, my friend. All right. Well, I got paid. I'm going to tell you that right now. So <laughs> anyways, I'm in the middle of my hustling career, and I had a freaking deal that I had to hit. And I had I started talking to this chick that was a roadie at the club that I worked at, which was like a hippie bar downtown Houston where you could smoke weed like a free man. And 
I like I I hooked up with her, and then like the next like the next day she's or like the next oh it might have been a couple of days she's like hey I want I was talking about you I want you to come meet my guy and I'm like your guy what the fuck are you talking about and this is like this dude that she lives with that's like my dad's age and everything and I don't know why I agreed to go see this dude but I did he cooked me a steak dinner and I'm like okay whatever and I'm trying to figure out what the fuck is going on and I'm being just friendly with this chick because she is actually pretty hot and. Um, well, anyways, this dude's like, "Hey, man, I was in Vietnam. I had was I had a war accident. I can't get it up anymore. If I pay you a hundred bucks, will you fuck her?" And I'm like, "Like in front of you?" Like, and he's like, you "Yeah." Get, I'm like, mm, "You got a steak sure, dinner and you get the fucker?" Yeah, it got fucking weird though. I don't want to get too far into that, but <laughs> I I got so freaked out by him, I did fucking brandish a firearm and threatened to pistol whip him. Oh, I, okay. So I did remember you telling the full version of the story. Um, did you have you told it on Who Gives a Shit? Uh, no, I haven't told it on Who Gives a Shit. Okay. I told it on the Dick Show. I think I might have told it on NFHC. Okay, yeah, I, I, I just I, I want our listeners to find you tell these stories, and this it's a long story, and it's intriguing and disgusting, and I loved it the whole the whole thing. Uh, yeah, first just, time I ever ran into some weird, like, alternate lifestyle, like, they were into this, that DDLG type of thing, but I didn't know what that what even was or what it meant at the time. I was, like, 23, man. This is back in, like, like what, 2008 or something like that? But, uh, oh, man. Uh, thankfully, I told the dude to pull the money out first because I've been, I've been hustling for a while. So whenever people talk about money on doing something, I just, you just go, show me the money, show me the money because people <laughs> love to quote movies and uh, there you go. They pull out the money. Well, then at least you know that, that you can get that. And uh, yeah, man, you can, whatever money's on the line, if you're like, Hey motherfucker, don't maybe beat your ass. Like, I, like I will say that if someone agrees to something, about, I'm going to get paid one way or another. If you, if you really yeah. don't want to pay, I'm going to at least freaking hit you. I'm a dead leg. You hard enough. You're going to feel it. <laughs> right. So time back to that term that we learned, you're not one to get Georgia. Nah. nah, because I've been, I've been Georgia before, but I didn't call it. I just got jacked a little bit. Basically, well, uh, I was going to go get some weed out of a car, and the dude managed to like reach out and snatch the money out of my hand really quick and drive off. And then I was like, hmm. I didn't think, like, I learned a valuable lesson. You just always have to be in control of the money and make sure that no one can ever just run away with it. Yeah. Like, when I was listening to uh, Butter's Bottom Bitch, which was based a lot off of uh, Iceberg's teachings and shit like that, and all the all my partners that I was with thought this shit was funny. I was getting a little nervous because I'm kind of like, mm. they don't realize that I do a lot of this shit because these people don't know how to spend money. A bitch doesn't know how to spend her money. You got to hold on to that money because a bitch does can't be trusted with that money. I love your insight, especially for this guy. Right here. Like, <laughs> yeah. So Slim... He becomes very close with Party Time, and he learns a bunch of stuff from him, street stuff, um, terminology introduced to people, uh, but he doesn't know how low on the totem pole he is. The two of them, they set up what you would call a Murphy scam. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, a honeypot. A honeypot? Is that the, that's the other terminology for it? I had to... I, yeah, I was you're trying like, to use someone's lust for something to uh, jam them up. Yep, that's a honeypot. My first thought of it when I heard Murphy was like a Murphy bed, a Murphy bed, because I because <laughs> I grew up on the Three Stooges, so yeah. I imagine if you're gonna uh, trap someone, you just go. I, I was thinking of C Lab 2021. Oh, all that show. <laughs> I'm just picturing like, oh yeah, you like this woman, and then they're all sleeping in the same bed, and Iceberg is going, me 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 
with a little feather uh, yeah. over his head. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that is the cartoon version of this. Uh, yeah, so a Murphy scam is just tricking someone to uh, get involved with uh, with a whore or something like that, and then you know when they get into the room or however the situation is, a uh, guy comes out with a gun or something and robs them at, the, at their at their lustiest. Oh, okay. But the way they did it was uh, with a uh, like cross dressing. So Slim would put on like this woman's dress and be in an alley like far enough away and party time. Be like, hey, uh, he would stop white dudes and be like, you want to come on down and have a good time with my lady? And then Slim would be out there just kind of dancing, like, oh yeah, look at that fucking piece of bones. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think there's a there's a word for that that's not very PC anymore. It would be called trap. Right, yeah, now now he's now this is a brave act. This is a brave this is a brave. He's being brave. Yeah. Okay. They're giving him the okie doke. They think they're getting some uh some some pussy. They really they they see some pussy that's jumping over the fence and getting the fuck out of there. They're like, Where'd everyone go? Yeah, exactly. Like, the dude okay. tries to get money first and then they're like suck wow and then they're gone. Yeah, they try to do it non violent, you know, where he's uh Party times playing the pimp, uh, pimp. Give me six bucks, and you can go down there and fuck that whore, and then he would just disappear. No, oh, okay. Um, or if it was someone who whipped out like a wad of bills, then they would go attack them after. They tried to do this once with a uh, professional wrestler, and that's when they got caught. Wait, Hulk Hogan? It was Hulk Hogan himself. He was screaming <laughs> the N word like we know him to do. And yeah, <laughs> I think this guy's name was like the Volcano or something. I forget. I don't know. Um, Biggest Andre the Giant. He's freaking leg dropping on these people. He's like, oh, bitch, go to jail. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, the, the, you have Party Time who tries to come up on this guy, and the guy just destroys him, and Party Time gets pinched. Uh, he never rats on his friend, though. That's important. I'm just saying, if I was Party Time, I should just be called Party Time. You want me to call you Party Time? Yeah. Or do I have to call you White Party Time from now on, just to make sure? It's Party Time. Party time, hang out with party boy, and just be called down, 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 down. I've seen you in a onesie. I know it's like it would go over. So while party times in jail, Slim had graduated early from high school, age fifteen. He's very smart. Oh damn, smart boy. Slim was. He really was. His academic achievements received him a full scholarship to Tuskegee College. That as uh, Tuskegee has a, doesn't, isn't that? Oof. That's a whole other bullshit There's a whole thing. another episode right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man. I don't think he was skating through at a bad time, but. Uh, no. Yeah. Yeah, This at, at this time, it's it's a bit different. Okay. Uh, All right. So Slim went to Tuskegee, which is pro- uh, predominantly black school in Alabama. Bama. I forgot to write this down. Yeah, well, it, was, it was probably what segregated back then, right? Well, it's this school was the a lot of the alma mater was black. Okay, and Booker T. Washington founded the school. Oh, okay. So it's it's a comfortable place. Gotcha. It's a and the, yeah, the alum would pay for you know kids in terrible situations to get out there, give them full right. rides. That's exactly what they did with it, Slim. But Slim already he had this thing. Where he's already been doing crimes, and uh, in his words, he had the street poison. Oh, street poison! Your poison! Right, and uh, for for more viral videos, uh, he basically wanted to be doing hood rat shit with his hood rat friends. Okay, yeah, it's fun to do bad things. 
Yeah. So, so basically, this, he's trying to go to the haunted forest, like Ron, like no, Ron, Ron Paul, Ron, Jake, Ron, Jake Paul, and not that kind of bad. Okay, different bad. And laugh at dead people hanging from tree. That's terrible. And um, wearing wearing he, the he, minions hat. What is he wearing? He, he, yeah, this guy. He would be banned off of uh, Twitter several times by now if he li- if he was still alive. Oh, for sure. Because of ooh, me. <laughs> so <laughs> he gets. So he implemented uh, much of what he had seen in his hometown streets at the uh, at the school. You know, he's like, oh, all right, just picking up ladies, talking to, he's playing the field. He's having a good time. All right, Who that's what you do in college, though. right? Exactly. But this is he, this is a different time. But he's making money at doing that at college. Well, he wasn't pimping girls. He started dating this 15-year-old chick his second year and another older one on the side. Now, one day, he stood up the 15-year-old for the other one, and the 15-year-old found out about the other woman, made this giant seed on the campus square, and the school board gets involved and considers kicking him out because this is a decent school. Yeah. Now, you could date people, but you can't be an animal. So you can't do anal. No, you can do anal. Oh, just, gonna, just actually, anal. Yeah, only anal. Only anal, okay. Yeah. Like a gentleman. Like a gentleman. Like you're part of the skull and bones, doing anal with your dad. George Bush Sr. <laughs> having anal sex with your son. That did happen. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Jones That's tried history to tell us. Right Alex there. Jones tried to tell us, but we, you know, we had to. Alex Jones, uh, no, he didn't try to tell us. He, he tried to tell us. Okay. <laughs> he tried to. Extrapolated this out, but I'm literally I'm ready to hang them up. I'll eat your ass. <laughs> Bless his soul. The alumni that sponsored him, uh, they talked to the principal, uh, the dean, whatever. They got, a, got the exception that he needed. They're like, don't expel this kid. We got a lot of faith in him. He scores high. He did well. Um, so he stayed, but not for long. He got involved in some bootlegging. Which is fun. Bootlegging's great. This is the, this is the middle of 1920. So one time I tried to oh, make... No, 1930s, excuse me. Yeah, one time I tried to make my own potato vodka. How'd it go? By, like, leaving a potato in some water in my closet for a really <laughs> long time. And let <laughs> me tell you, that was the worst smelling thing I... Like, it was... I had to throw out everything in my closet. <laughs> I, I do know how to brew some hooch out of potatoes. Uh, hooch, right? That's the term? Yeah, that's some alcohol that you, you know, grew yourself in, like, bottles or bags or something like that. Right. Uh, I thought about making some, because I had a stash spot big enough where I could have made, like, garbage bags of hooch. But, uh, man, I wasn't trying to do that. I was just bored. You get really fucked up if you uh, if you get caught with that stuff, right? Oh, yeah, you can you get a fucked up contraband charge. And if they want to be real assholes about it, they can try to give you more time. The uh, The hooch is kind of in the middle zone. If they want to be dicks about it, it seems like they can. Otherwise, they're going to make it like really hard to get parole and shit like that. Because that's a contraband charge they care about. Right. right. Well, it's basically like just do the way I do it. It makes something stinky in your closet. I mean, uh, can't, can't they, get they, you, if you were in a prison establishment or whatever, you'd probably get in trouble for that because you're just disgusting. I wasn't in a prison. I was in yeah. school. <laughs> well, one thing you could do, if you just left some ketchup out until it starts going bad, that's what they called a kicker. You take just like a little tiny bit of that stuff and put it in. If you put it in some basically like mashed potato water and then you put that kicker on top of it and you leave it in a bottle, it'll start fermenting. You just got to burp it every now and then until it starts tr- stops trying to burp and then that shit's good to drink and get fucked up. Hell really? yeah. <laughs> 
I, you know what? That's how I'm going to come back to Patreon content. I make a big uh, arrival back in my head, my <laughs> fantasy land. That uh, thinking everyone cares about my drinking habits. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> anyway, so he's he's not um, he's supplying. What's happening okay. is, is that there's another student that uh, his parents are wealthy, so he's bankrolling the shit, and he's the guy going out. He makes the contacts, he gets it on campus, and then he does a semi-pimping thing where he gets a bunch of ladies that he's friendly with and, you know, kissing on the lips. Uh, he gets them to sell it. So this operation goes so well because the dude's smooth. You don't want an operation like this to go so well because now everyone knows about it, and faculty finds out within a couple months, and he's off. I'm the miss. My name is Dean. You're not allowed in here. So, yeah, that's what happens. You, yeah. you do it too well, someone's going to find out. Fucking Dean. You have to deal with haters, man. He says that one of the words of wisdom is that everyone loves to see a pimp fall. That's the one thing that all hoes have in common, or all whores have in common. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm no whore, so I... <laughs> I, I but that's just anyone. Everyone loves seeing someone that's doing well fall. Like, oh, that's what yeah, no, no, for sure. Yeah. God, I mean, that, that's oh. what the entire Twitter universe is. Oh, I was I've just noticed. saying, look at America's Funniest Home Videos. That's people getting hurt <laughs> yeah. very badly. And they put it on TV. Literally falling. <laughs> yeah. And they put it on TV and put a laugh track on, like, your dad trying to yeah. hang lights and, then, and, like, being paraplegic <laughs> afterwards. Yeah, and they got Bob Saget just going, like, oh, boss, oh, no, my boss got hit. Oh, it hurt so much. Oh, man, he can't have children ever again. <laughs> laugh track. Laugh track. Jewish father falls off of Christian roof <laughs> trying to do the right thing. <laughs> trying to keep a family together. <laughs> so it's a weird time for him. His mother was working somewhere far away from the neighborhood that he grew up in. So he would stay. Uh, he, she would stay where she worked from Monday to Friday. And he would. He wasn't homeless. He stayed with people that he knew. Uh, one of them that he. Uh, one of these regulars that he would stay with was a, a fellow named. Uh, Diamond Tooth Jimmy. Ooh, that's another. I feel like we're gonna have a lot of good names in this episode. The, you know there what? are his interviews where he talks about these names are great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like in the biography, like not his biographies. They use the real names of these people, but in the book, he has like alternate names, and they're both fantastic. Oh yes. So I think Party Time is the only character he really uses the, the actual name in Pimp. Uh huh. Like he's he isn't iceberg slim until the book is published. Right. He goes by um Kavanaugh Slim. Kavanaugh Slim. Right. Judge Kavanaugh Slim. Yeah. Brett so, Kavanaugh Slim. Right. Oh, he's very popular with the ladies. <laughs> Brett Kavanaugh, let me tell you. <laughs> it sure is. Yeah. Uh, somehow I feel like iceberg slims rape less people. <laughs> Good point. Mm -hmm. Good point. Uh, well, at least the women knew what they were getting into. Yeah. Um Yeah. I mean, it's Kavanaugh. Well, he's got. A, you know what the thing is with Kavanaugh? He's so he said handsome. that all whores do it by choice. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. So Diamond, he used to be a pimp, but now he ran a little gambling house. And return in return for board, Slim would clean the gambling house during the off hours, and he would stay in like a little navy cot in the back. Diamond told Slim all about pimps, techniques, stuff like this. This is one of the teachers he has, along with party time. Now uh, Slim was seeing a fifteen-year-old chick. While he was at Diamonds. Uh, with her, he would take his first actual steps into pimping. One night after a good bang, he asked the girl Wait. if she would do him favor. And she replies with, I would do anything for you. Oh. That's not good. Never say that. No, don't do that. 
Now, uh, you wait. You're gonna watch all three of the first Spider-Man with me. Oh God! Alone? No, I'd rather just bang a f- fat old guy. We're gonna drink half and half the entire time. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm dizzy now. It might be the, <laughs> He's like, the like would you do anything for me? Will you watch One Piece with me from episode one until we get all the way caught up? <laughs> yeah. It's a lot to ask. Well, anyway, you know what he asks. He uh, he goes, jumps right in. He goes, all right, anything. So he goes down the street and he finds a guy who says he's got a woman for five bucks. Sealed the deal. <laughs> Uh-oh. Is this the SVU? Are we doing that? Oh, man. Well, no, not necessarily. Well, he is getting paid for people fucking. Sexually based. That's pretty awesome. Sexually uh, based. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's where it went south. He keeps pimping this chick out, and uh, since it's his first time, he doesn't really know what he's doing. He finds a mark, and the mark ends up knowing the girl and knowing the girl's father. So the guy mm-hmm. walks out. He's just like, I've never... I'm assuming that's what he said. Well, I've never, I've never sucked eggs. <laughs> well, I've like, never I sucked know eggs. Anything about prostitutes? I was trying to find my lost dog, and I ended up wound up in this whore, uh, this whoring situation. And there's your daughter. Right. They, Why would my dog go to this whorehouse? I, I, I don't understand. But look, uh, he's like, uh, don't ask me how, but your, your, fifteen-year-old uh, daughter. Has been pimped out by a punk ass kid. Yeah, the tunnel rats. Right. So now you have a situation where the father tends he's actually well to do. You can see this woman doesn't need money. She's doing it all for him. So there's like he's learning a lot about what women can do. She doesn't need money. Tom, they can do everything we can do. That's correct. And more. And more. They can give birth. Yeah, yeah, but he le- he learned that women are emotional beings, and that if you can emotionally manipulate someone, you can be more important to them than anything else, including their money. Yeah, but hold on, guys. Imagine if we could give birth, and the baby came out of our dicks. <sighs> oh, like a pseudo penis, <laughs> like a hyena. Oh yeah. Do they got- do they give birth out of their shaft? Well, no. They yeah, they give birth out of the penis. Yeah. Yeah. The the they're all they all look like dudes. Oh, uh, okay. And they have these, like, they, I guess it's not their ovaries or whatever, but something hanging out. There's a, like a. It... Well, I'm just trying to imagine. Like, I'm imagining the backwards of like a snake eating like a large egg. Yeah, it's kind of. But what it's happens. like a baby, like, spitting out of your dick. Yeah, gestate, gestates oh. in, the, in the stomach. Yeah. And then a lot of, a lot of uh, female hyenas die at childbirth because oh, it's okay. like shitting out a baby through your penis. That's cool. Yeah. It's an elongated vagina so, or a progressive species. So watch out, ladies. We might be able to do what you can do soon and more. Yeah, watch out. We can really fire yeah. you then. And, yeah, and female hyenas will will sexually assault mi- uh, men to exert their dominance in the hyena world. Yeah. Take that, bitch. I like yeah. that. So, so either way, in the, mm-hmm. in the real world, not the hyena world, <laughs> you have a situation where the, the girl's father is like, well, that's not good. I'm going to use my uh, friendships and status as a, w- a well-known and uh, upstanding citizen in the black community to get this guy in jail. Okay. So he did that. He went to the judge beforehand. He goes, look, put him in jail. So Slim is arrested for the first time. He's sentenced to 12 to 18 months at a reformatory. Now, this wasn't a real reformatory. It's a, re- prison, a prison. And... I, when I say a real reform, reformatory, I'm making that up. I have no idea what they intend to mean with that. Like, 
What, like, what's a reformatory on paper versus a prison anyway? Do you, do you know this? No, I don't know. I mean, isn't that like what they, like, prisons are supposed to reform? Yeah, exactly. I thought that, that's the I idea. mean, I think there's, like, different oh, schools yeah. of thought, uh, right? Well, at least in some of the, not necessarily in the reformatorium, but in, in later prison, he talked about how, like, during their rec time, they could just go learn, like, trade skills and shit like that. Yeah. Man, they don't have any of that shit anymore. They, I mean, that. That's crazy to hear about. They should have that now. Now they just want you to eat your fucking Swanson's dinners, right? I well, some states have them. Every state does it different. Well, at least you know Texas is all I've ever been in prison with, and uh, they used to have a program, but they gutted that shit in the mid nineties. Of course. I mean, uh, so Texas prison is not like Scandinavian prison where you get PS five before everyone else, right? No, I'm okay. I'm one of the fortunate few that had a, a TV in my cell. Oh shit! Because my uh, my prison was built in uh, 1908 or 1902, something like that, and the cells were so small. The Supreme Court ruled that it was inhumane. If you and didn't so, have a at least a TV, <laughs> it, it, yeah, unless you had uh, basically unless you always had access to the day room, that was the deal. Yeah, okay. And they could still lock you down during lockdown and because it was temporary. You could deal with it. And really, that place was all right, because your cell door was always open. You could just go in and out of your cell. You could buy a lock and lock your own cell closed, but the the COs could get in if they wanted to. But you had your own little TV that you could listen to with some headphones. And that was all right, man. All right. Yeah, I mean, your own lock is just for other inmates and stuff. That's pretty... Yeah, I didn't but know that... The jails and prisons at this time, man, they weren't even designed for electricity, a lot of them. Right. And so there's a lot of places that don't even really have running water and shit. They got dudes running back and forth with buckets. Right. Yeah. I mean, so he's locked up in this is what, 1920. This is 1930. Actually, I forgot to write the date down, but he is uh, 17. He's born in 19, so 1936. 1936. Right. Yeah. Late, late. So I think they closed. Uh, we When we did um, uh, Mocked Up, they closed the tombs in New York, I think, in the 1940s. And literally, they compared that to, like, a medieval dungeon. Hey, dungeons are cool. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, dungeons are cool, but, you know, uh, I mean, yeah, consent. All, yeah, well, you know, there's all those sexy yeah. women in there getting all tied <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. not so bad in a dungeon, I suppose. Yeah, well, into the dungeon iceberg goes. Intake sounds like fucking dog shit, dude. <laughs> dude, th this is a bad situation. The reformatory yeah. is one of those things, I guess, they put on paper and then... They're like, yeah, put more money into that. And then they just squeeze a bunch of prisoners in. This is like, this is kind of pre a lot of like privatization of prisons. Yeah. But well, well, private prisons are an issue, but they're not the norm, man. Only like 17% of prisons are private prisons. Largely, it's a government thing. There is an oligopoly of people that are siphoning money out of the prison industrial complex. Right. Like, it is an issue because it's a waste of money to the taxpayers and shit. And actually, uh, the. Government wasn't near as punitive at that time. Prison population hadn't just exploded yet, but what you could do to a prisoner was pretty extreme. Like, they could just whoop your fucking ass and shit like that and pretty much get away with it so long as you were doing something wrong. Right, yeah. and um, th there's an example I have um, about one of his cellmates here. Uh, his cellmate was a school acquaintance who was training to be a man of the cloth. He was there because he... Uh, touch boys? Uh... No, like they a, tra practice a traditional one. Oh, Pre like uh, just a guy who reads the Bible to people. Oh, okay. but that's why they had practice boys. They hadn't invented pedophilia until oh. like 1939. Uh, yeah. You know, that's a lie, Tom. They've been doing it for a long time, but continue. Please. I don't lie. 
Okay, so he was in there because he was caught smooching some crippled Irish chick. And historically, crippled Irish people are not very into interracial smooching. Ooh. So somehow someone uh, cooked up a wait, charge. So, wait, so is it because she's tarted or is it because she's Irish? Because she's Irish. I mean, well, is there a difference? Thank you. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to I see. I mean, I'm Irish. I'm, I'm half Irish. Up. I'm half retarded. That's true. <laughs> Oh, uh, but oh yeah, yeah. I, he went on for a while in the book about how this dude was constantly crying and doing dumb shit and wouldn't stop reading the Bible despite it like pissing off the guards and shit. Right, exactly. And he was there because I, I guess whoever the girl's father was just said that he raped her, which wasn't true. Um, father O'Shaughnessy, rape. Right. So this this poor dude, he didn't do anything wrong. Um, and. Like, like, saying, that Adam, like you were saying, Adam, they they like the guard, the one guard that was like stationed up by his cell, just had it out for him the whole time. Mm -hmm. He hated the fact that he was constantly praying, all this stuff, you know, anything to pick on the dude. Um, so one day, Oscar meets his like kind of like just total downfall. Yeah, um, Slim and he were given uh, a couple hot dogs. Ooh contraband food from uh, a couple of the other prisoners, I guess one of their buddies. Just like, here you go, here's some hot dogs. Yeah. Perfect. Man, some of these operations look like Mission Impossible, by the way. Oh. People take their food seriously in the joint, man. Yeah, I, I mean... Um, like, the people be smuggling shit, doing pass-offs and shit like that, moving this food all around <laughs> while people are stealing from the kitchen commissary. Like, it, it is like fucking... Yeah, think of the Mission Impossible theme song going on as people are freaking trying to rob the state dry however they can for some food. Yeah, how could you blame them, too? Like, they're, you know, you're just... They're starving, man. It's fucking... Like, their food is rotting. It's like, there's, the, the, there's no health code shit. There's bugs in their fucking oatmeal. Yeah, and you also have all the time in the world to just think of ways to get more of it. Tom know? Cruise is very good at stealing off yeah. your plate. Necessity is the mother of all invention, man. Some of yeah. the little tricks that people come up with to survive in prison and get and actually be able to have a little bit of luxury is pretty impressive. Because yeah. there's like there's a saying if you got if you got a guy with a cigarette on one side of the prison and you got a guy with a lighter on the other side of the prison, you got two prisoners that are smoking. Right. Yeah. All right, it's yeah. like that teamwork. You need that. Yeah. Too. Teamwork makes a dream work. There you go. Yeah, teamwork but... makes dream work studios. <laughs> also, man, it's messed up because I I listened to this part of the book on the audio book and I felt a little hollow inside when he talked about how Oscar got cracked upside the head with a fucking billy club. Right. Yeah. If you want, yeah, tell the story. Scalp and shit like that. Literally beat him retarded. Yeah. Like, like he mentally damaged him and then they threw him in the solitary for long enough for him to completely disconnect. And uh, totally lost track of who he was to the point where he's like rubbing shit on the walls and stuff like that. Like he completely lost his mind. So that's what happened, to that bro. Bro, yeah. They fucking beat the shit out of him until well, he was. I tell you, man. I was in. I was in solitary for three weeks, and it's it's weird, dude. It is really weird. Like I, I could actually feel myself like forgetting streets that I should know where things are and stuff like that, man. And people are just made to talk to other people. Like you kind of need to keep in some sort of social contact with somebody to kind of keep your head on straight. All right. That, yeah, that shit sounds so cruel to me. And that was a lesson also for Slim. Like you, you know, yes sir, no sir. 
don't piss these people off. Right. And do not, like, if you're he called insulted. It, he, what do you call it? Tomming it? Or do you call it um, be, the uncle smile or something? Yeah, the uncle, uncle Tom smile. type of thing. Yeah. I, yeah, where he's like, where he's like, oh, yeah. Oh, or he just acts like super friendly, like the over, the, the obsequious smile. Right. That you kind of see in some media about portrayed about black people at the time. Yeah. I mean, you can't really lose when you're in that situation. That's what guards want anyway. That's what wardens want. They just want that shit, so just give it to them. It's fucking free. Yeah, yeah. They just want a pa- they just want a power trip. Yeah, yeah. Let them feel that shit. Yes, sir. All that crap. So that's he talks a bit about that, and then he talks a bit about how like uh, Oscar being in solitary and the way he the condition he was in after he knew solitary was like you need to keep your mind busy because he does end up in solitary for a bit later on. Mm-hmm. And it, it is important because it kind of plays this role where he sees the brutality of prison. And uh, it was like his worst trip in prison was this first one. Right. Slim was released after a year. This is around 1937. He lived with his mother and worked as a delivery boy for the local pharmacist. Being around his mother's salon, he saw these hot chicks coming in. She was still in the same same game. She wasn't doing anything illegal. She was dealing with people who got picked up all the time. But the... Pimpin never really left his mind. He was thinking about it. So then he meets Pepper. Pepper, like of salt and pepper fame. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, he calls her what they know as a high yellow. High yellow. Yeah, I didn't put that in my script because yeah. I'm like already pretty bad with being racist against Asians on the show. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but that's not, a, that's not a racist term against Asians. That's someone that's half black, half white. A- Adam, out of my mouth, it could be. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I know it is. I know. I know the truth. You know the <laughs> no, truth. No, you see, you got to pass with this one because it deals with black people. Historically speaking, they've had it the worst as far as races are concerned. Right, yeah. Now, Chinese people are way the hell up there, but I think when you take all the things in totality, they kind of got to give it to them. And this is a term that they got. So if you don't like it, you don't like black culture. How about that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like that. So we got to deal with well, a mulatto. Uh, yeah, well, that's we'll not say, a good yeah. term, right? Yeah. Can I not say she that? Had green, she had green eyes and, uh, you know, light, like a light, she was light skinned. She okay. sounded like a dime piece, a little older, high shelf prostitute. So started teaching Slim some of the things he needed to know about controlling women. Now, she was not going to be one of his bitches, never. Um, they just banged and did all this crazy stuff. And I think this is where Slim gets introduced to cocaine. Oh, kakai! So you know, happiness. Yeah, this is this is where he learns the pain pleasure dichotomy. Right. Yeah. Exactly. This is um. What, what would she do? She like she would bite him and she shit bit and... him in the belly button hard enough to draw blood, and then started licking his belly button when she wouldn't let go. Oh, yeah. I was thinking. They... I was thinking some like simple, just sounding. <laughs> nah, he like slapped the shit out of her and then she bit the fuck out of him and draw fuck loads of blood and then they kept on going afterwards because, you know, he says he has some some Sigmund Freud cro- uh, quote about like wanting pain and pleasure or something like that. Yeah, and uh, they, they sure should got it. I mean, they spent a while together. Do you uh, think that they male-female docked? How, how, what is... <laughs> What, like hyena style? <laughs> yeah, no, no, it was no. you, such... spread, you spread out the clitoral hood f- far enough yeah. that it goes over the head of the penis. Yeah, you're not having sex. You're just doing a handshake with the clitoral hood and your foreskin yeah. or lack thereof. Uh-huh. Get it to stay somehow and then body paint like a Star, a Star Trek sp- a spaceship on it or something yeah. like that. And well, there you, you go. Yeah, you can use some super glue. 
this is an unropeable conversation. Dude, <laughs> I'm trying to shoot ropes, dude. <laughs> yeah, in well, my, uh, in my icebergs, icebergs shooting ropes. He's shooting a lot of ropes with this bitch. He's fucking yeah. her all the time. He's she's wearing his ass out because really he's getting turned out by her and he doesn't even know it. Well, he's getting Georgian. Oh, he Georgian? went in there. He went in there with the intent of getting something out of this deal. He got some knowledge out of it, but he wanted to start. Hey, give me the money, things like that. But he was too soft. Mm. It's too soft. And she was also too well known. It was never going to happen. Mm. Wasn't meant to be. So his brain is thinking about pimping and Pepper, gets him hooked on cocaine and the whole be- business of pleasure, all that stuff. So Slim was eventually set up by Pepper's husband oh. um, to get him off the street. Salt. Yeah. Salt. Yeah. Mr. Salt. Mr. Salt. Mr. Salt came and was just like, I've had enough of yeah. this. <laughs> Man, it's it's a real elaborate ruse that they put up too, just to get him in like in a place where he's caught with his pants down, where he can't really prove where he's at. Just so it's a robbery. I mean, they railroaded his ass. Yeah, they, they got re- him good. They did. I mean, the the details like it's a lot to go into, but basically, they after there was a falling out, they they get Slim to go bang Pepper out, but it's someone else is paying for it, and it's like five hundred bucks. I don't know exactly. It's for these freaks or something. I it, it, it's it's a story, like you said, Adam. It, quite the setup. Anyway, he gets the five hundred bucks after banging out, and then the husband gets the police involved, who pulls him over. I mean, p- pulls him over. He stops him at a concert and finds money and plants a key for the house on him and say it's it says it's a robbery. So he's listening to some fucking Louis Armstrong shit. It's it's intense. Like they, they really went out of the way to fuck this kid up. Um, now in the book, this is where shit fucking fast forwards fast, man. Oh yeah. Because he's just like, yeah, I went to prison again, and I listened to the old pimps and just how they pimped, and then I got pimping. Like he didn't really say much about his second stint in prison. I, I think it was a lot lighter. That was like what it, it didn't suck as much. He wasn't beat. Um, so it, it was like I wouldn't say the word fine, but. It was it was quick. So, it was right, gravy, dog. Right. So he he gets this B and E charge. He's sent to prison. At this adult prison, he finds himself in the company of pimps. Oh, you you would cover that actually. The stories are learned from pimps. Okay. After getting out of prison, uh, he nineteen thirty eight. Uh, he went to Milwaukee to pick up the pimping trade. So wait, he went to Wisconsin for the Milwaukee for fucking pimping. Yes. All right. Yeah. It's pretty now, cold. He, uh, yeah, the story of his first his, his first the bitch is uh, man, it's a real push and pull because he's really having to play a cold face because he can't let her know how desperate he is because he needs her because without without her he's nothing at this point he doesn't even have a bitch in his stable. Uh, this is where like cruelty is really introduced to his character to okay. his whole demeanor. Um, his first bitch is Phyllis. Now I think they met in a bar. Um, the, I, the two of the, yeah, the two of them met at a bar that he plays real cool. He's like kind of, he notices she has money on her. I got to ask Tom. So mm-hmm. we're moving forward. Is he mainly just pimping black women or is it, is it any race or, um, to get started? Uh, Phyllis, Phyllis was black, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Phyllis was black. Uh, later on, there are so many, there's the, the turnover in women is really high with him. So he does right. all races later. Well, I was just wondering yeah. if the, like yeah, this he, story he, was very insular to just the black community or if it kind of, well, like, no, he, he yeah. goes through like 400 women oh, or something like shit. that. Okay. He can't even keep track. He's using his bottom bitch to figure out all the shit for him. He just knows money is coming. 
Back into Phyllis here. So he meets Phyllis in a bar, introduces himself. It's kind of a story. But anyway, what ends up happening is that he sees that she has money. And he goes, this is my bitch. I need her. Charms her. Gets invited back to her apartment. There, he demands the money. When she doesn't hand it over, he beats the shit out of her. And... <laughs> that's your first bitch. Wait, so he did, she did the deed and just wouldn't turn over the cash? She didn't? No, no, she, so he's like, she's like, just like, uh, you know, I got money coming, I'll fuck this guy, and then I'll do that tomorrow, now, now come to bed, and he's like, no, nah, we're not gonna fuck until I get your money. Oh. Then he shoves her out, and shoves her out the bed and, like, boots her ass a whole bunch of times. Yeah, damn. Uh, she has some cash on, like, he spots it in her bra or something when he sees her. Oh, and then, she, and then, and she hit it. She hit it in the record player. Record. All oh, right. When they went back to the apartment. Um, mm-hmm. Right. And then she tells his deal about how she's getting paid by another guy who's coming out. So it's just a fucking mess. And uh, yeah, but he controls this woman. He he makes Phyllis his bottom bitch. I mean, if you know anything about me, if you're coming over and you're going to have sex, you're, we're going to order Domino's afterwards. And she's going to be like, I want to get pepperonis on it. I want, like, we're getting extra pepperonis, bitch. But all he does is he's like, bitch, stand out of the corner at here, from here from here to here. I'll be back to pick you up. And yeah, now give me all your money. And he's getting like a hundred bucks a day and like 30s money. It, Damn. It's wild. Like, Great I, Depression style. It is really the cruelest profession at the end of the day. Like, you're not really doing anything. Yeah, this is a time when people are boiling their jeans in water and calling it soup. Right, and you're out there just beating women, stealing their money, essentially, making them do all the work. And you know what? Some women, I'm sure, deserved it. But uh, most of them didn't. I mean, I think, fair. I think only fans should have pips. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> come pay me, and I'll show you. Um, I'll lick a stamp and put it on this bitch's ass for you. Yeah. The only fans. So after a few test runs with this bitch... Iceberg brings Phyllis out to Wis- from Wisconsin to Southside Chicago to pimp her out in a real city. So he just went to Chicago just to get Phyllis, or like a woman. Well, he went like to Milwaukee, Milwaukee uh, to get a woman. Milwaukee. Wisconsin- yeah. Did I say Wisconsin? Uh, wait, you said Chicago. Oh, sorry. You went to Wisconsin just to get a woman? Uh, yeah, for- so he successfully macked and copped that bitch okay. and then dusted off to fucking, uh, what is it, Chicago? Yeah, Southside Chicago. So now they're they're in Chicago. This is when he picks up the moniker Kavanaugh Slim. Brett, it's the birth of this boy. So he visits the clubs where all the pimps hang out. Becomes accustomed to the uh, Chicago underbelly. I'm skipping over a lot of stuff. There's a lot of really interesting stuff in pimp about this. Mm. We just wouldn't have time, as I mentioned. And he's not having any crossover with Al Capone because they have like racial divides, right? Well, yeah, it's. I mean, it's the 30s. He, I'm just assuming. He knows, he knows mafia people. He wrote a book about mafia. Oh, okay. Yeah, mafia okay. people in Chicago. Um, yeah, there's not a lot of overlap in this story, particularly. Right. Uh, he learned about the psychological manipulation tactics from an older Chicago pimp named Baby Bell. Oh, my God. That is my pimp name. Yeah. I am. I'm going to modernize uh-huh. it a little bit. I'm going to be a young Baby Bell. Young Baby Bell? <laughs> Why you... NG Baby Bell. I mean Swiss Baby Bell, and we'll be competing. Oh shit! Yes. Now I have Gouda though. That's a new flavor. <laughs> so after some interaction, uh, a little bit of prying, Slim is taken under Baby Bell's wing, and he helps him navigate Chicago a little better. Now he told Slim about acting like a god around his bitches, knowing everything about them, 
and telling them nothing about yourself. So it's got to be arm's distance all the time. As Tom said, acting like a god around bitches, his girlfriend walked in the room. This is my fiance, okay? Yeah, fiance. Beyonce, I'm sorry. Yeah, she's, uh, I've been saying, I've been calling her ho all week and she has not liked it. I'm pretty sure she poisoned me last night. That's mm -hmm. why I'm so hungover right the, now. The, yeah, the mentality that the pimp and ho dichotomy have is real messed up. Because it's like these people believe that every single relationship at the end of the day is some type of manipulation. Oh, yeah, that's that's the game. Like these, they're, they're very good at their craft. Like he's very good at doing this. And I would never think of doing half the shit. Yeah, that uh, e even to just cut the line. Makes yeah, someone no, feel I'm, special. I get nervous about that. Yeah. So Baby Bell, uh, he kind of broke Slim. He was the one who pushed him to get even more violent. Um, told him to really contain his emotions at all times. He used to say, you smile too much, colder, colder, colder. Um, That's what Baby Bell would do. Baby Bell funneled all of Slim's hatred for um, his mother into how he acted around women. So he, on paper, he loved his mom, but also his mom was a trifling bitch, as we remember. Mm -hmm. Did terrible things, mm -hmm. screwed over a lovely man. Henry Upshaw, shout out to him. And, and then went back to her first husband and stole all his shit. Right, exactly. It doesn't stop there. Like, there was so much shit that happened with the mother. Right. Uh, she got in on Steve's schemes, and it's uh, horrible people. So Slim gets his whores. He has them working for 16 hours a day. Bell taught, them, taught him that whores have a short shelf life, and you need to get as much as you can out of them in the shortest amount as possible. Okay? Bell st stuck around and... Uh, kept pushing Slim to be more vicious and cold, so Slim upped his cocaine intake, started doing a little heroin, too, so he can right. kind of kill all these emotions and just be an animal. You're talking about the bird, the heron bird, right? The heron, yeah. Young heron. Did I say that wrong? I said that's the stuff that Kurt Cobain used, heron, right? Yeah, he was a big fan. He's a bird watcher. Yeah. And then he saw one bird, and he's like, that's the most beautiful bird I ever saw, and he was going to shoot the bird, and he was like, nope, I'm not. I'm going to shoot myself <laughs> in the head. The bird landed on his head. That, well, we just figured out Kurt <laughs> yeah, Cobain in a show that had nothing. Don't even him. need to do him. Done. Yeah. <laughs> Toast. Sayonara. But in this book, he does talk about heroin ruining some people's lives and shit like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, he's he had a, a serious problem with the stuff. A lot of people, he had, a lot of pimps had problems with it. A lot of whores had problems with it. Well, goes in your vein. You gotta numb the pain, man. Yeah. It's, come on. These are jazz people. They love jazz. Yep. The jazz musicians loved heroin. Yeah, but Tom's cool. Think about industrial people. I mean, think about, think about mm -hmm. Nine Inch Nails. Think, yeah, about, you know, this uh, is why, think about, this is why Nixon uh, wanted to go after heroin so hard so he could target and lock up black people. Well, because Nixon Damn. knew Nine Inch Nails was going to come out. And there's going to be more uh, pain involved. <laughs> Yeah, good music does come out of heroin. That is a side effect of having a lot of heroin around. Yeah, I, I the, the few people I know who did heroin, they're just stupid. Yes, kind of true. They're bad musicians. Look, you got too. you got to play the stats on this. You'll eventually get someone that'll be that'll make a very successful band because they got a lot of heroin. Or you'll yeah. fall asleep on the it, couch it, while someone's talking to you. The figures are yeah. in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, where are we? Slim never looked the part of the pimp at the time. This is like Slim changed, as you mentioned before, Adam, he changed what the pimp was because he wasn't this big, like, ape of a dude, like, barrel-chested, 
aggressive looking. He was slender. He was slim. He was part of his thing. So right. he upped the whole, like, I'm dressing even better than these guys. Also to compensate for the fact that he wasn't a big guy. He was gaunt. Right. So I'm assuming that, like, pimp, pimps before, because pimps have existed since hoes existed. Um, yeah. You know, so, but I'm assuming that they probably would have looked like bouncers. Up until this guy, uh, kind you know? of, yeah. I mean, there you have it's a it's an aggressive game. Like party time was even a big dude, even though he was a bad pimp. Right, Baby yeah. Bell was a big and, dude, and people would shoot each other and shit like that. Like it's it's it does get kind of raw because you're dealing with criminality and shit. Yeah, and you're dealing with a bunch of women, and there's going to be some emotions as people are stealing each other's bitches out of their stables. Yeah, it's got a, emotional times indeed. Once you yeah, involve, you got, yeah, once you involve the penis and the clitoral hood. Things get <laughs> yeah. whew, aggressive. You ever played? You ever played Pimp the Backhanding? Pimp, pimp no. the Black no, Backhanding? No, I have not. A real game that White Wolf made in like '06 or something. <laughs> it's a pretty fun little card game. Oh fuck yeah! <laughs> that sounds fun. So either like he he develops the look. He never breaks character around women. Um, what time? We're going in the '40s now. Yeah, mid. We're, we'll skip ahead a bit. Mid 1940s. He kind of took to holding court and speaking, preaching in the streets, the Red Light District. Mm -hmm. His vocabulary, his cadence would make us all look like animals, that's for sure. Yeah. He's, the guy could talk. He was able to attract more women this way to join the stable and gain the trust of customers and other pimps. He was kind of like an icon. He had really climbed the ladder quite quickly. So, so one thing I will say from learning about being a gentleman with wearing suits and whatnot... Um, I did learn that the zoot suit, which I'm assuming is what he probably would, that's in the, during the 40s, was the rise of the zoot suit. Was that a 40s thing? Yeah, it was, was uh, the 40s. I thought that was a 20s thing. No, it was during the 40s, because the zoot suit um, was seen as offensive by most people, because during the 1940s, we were at war... And there was cloth rations. So <laughs> oh. if you look at men's fashion, we used to wear in like the 30s and 20s, everything was kind of loose fitting. Right. And then you get more of the suit that you see nowadays where it's like tight to your body, sort of. Okay. So these guys were wearing zoot suits and it was seen as obscene because they had so much fabric that they were wasting. God, that's so much cloth. You yeah. made so much cloth. Yeah. yeah. Well, they did spend a whole lot of money on their clothes to get like custom pieces. Basically, their idea was that whatever the hell was like was dressed highly, dressed five, make it cost five times as much as that. Yeah, it's wild. And do you think they really gave a shit about war efforts? No, I mean no. <laughs> this is about getting that money, and on top of that, they're bitter against the country a little bit because of like the culture that they have to deal with in general. He does opine that he has to like do this and manipulate women to like so to like to get money like that. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. There's a lot in the book where he talks about what it is like being a black dude in this world that's extremely prejudiced as a time. This is pre civil rights. Well, yeah, you're dealing you know. with Jim Crow laws and shit like that. It's fucking terrible. It's oh yeah, it's like the the law will like while he was locked up would just call him the n word. Like it's that's just that's no big deal. Yeah, yeah. Like they'll say whatever to you, and you can't react. If otherwise, they'll say that you have uh, was it uh, visual uh, insubordination, and they'll just clock you upside the head with a fucking baton. Yeah, yeah. It's I, fucked, dude. Our country is fucked. Hey, it's pretty cool to me. 
And not that racist stuff, the other things. Tom, I, I drove up yeah. to, I drove up to your house and I saw the Pledge of Allegiance decal on your on your Jeep. On my Jeep. I get it. Yeah, all my <laughs> <laughs> Please do not tread on me. Uh, sir. I have this I have this uh, tiny little worm and it says like please leave me alone. It's a worm and it says please leave me alone, America. It's it's complicated stuff. Look, um either th- there's worse places to be. It right, doesn't matter. Continuing. Anyway, continuing. Continuing. He never settles down anywhere. He moves from hotel to hotel. He likes his privacy. So he's he does get like apartments where the horrors stay and he doesn't live with them because he's smart cuz that's a lot of complaining. Yeah. Um he knows that. Uh, also, he'd get robbed in his sleep too. He knew that. There's a lot of loose ends. If people know where you are and you have that much money and stuff, so he would just spend his money ridiculously, and he was never in one place for more than like a couple weeks. It's funny because my dreams were robbed in my sleep thanks to capitalism, late stage capitalism. Oh, thanks. We're going back there. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. uh, he- <laughs> this book gets brought up in a bunch of uh, discussions about capitalism and shit like that because the uh, the economic concepts that he kind of talks about are uh, sort of raw and really true and hard to argue. Don't uh, don't aren't really based in reality. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he has a really excellent grasp of everything involved here so when he lays it down it's like it's not just the culture and the words that people are using but it's the money thing it's the money of the time all that stuff so he knows that the turnaround was rather high in his massive stable so he cut down on the amount of girls that he would let in and he kind of formed like a waiting list for for bitches okay so instead of having you know uh like a hundred at a time he would cut it down to 25 and then have a few Selective. more so they would want to well stay he always with. had even numbers i missed that part yeah well he needs to have basically a bunch of pairs of bitches all competing against one another and they don't want an odd one out so that because she'll so discord wow this guy he thinks of everything yeah. Or the other guys thought of everything and told them everything. I mean, what is this, Squid Game? This is like tribal tribal wisdom to the hip that can actually that actually got an ear for this type of shit, you know? Like, he, he talks a lot about that, about how he identifies these people and finds ways to talk to them and shit like that because he knows he needs to know more and that he's going to have to get taught some shit. And so he's got to, like, sweet talk his way and kiss people's ass so that these other pimps will, like, you know, impart their pimp and knowledge because there's a lot of, like, one-liners that just work on chicks. Yeah. It's the, uh, it's like the, uh, dictionary that you need when you go out. All right. Woman is doing that. Okay. Yeah. No, it's like, there's plenty, like, there's plenty of excellent YouTube channels you can see if you just have how to pick up women's great stuff. But Tom, but Tom keeps imparting knowledge. So when World War II begins, Slim avoided the draft because he didn't have an address and he didn't give one over. Mm-hmm. Uh, he sent his bottom bitch, Phyllis, and her to an army base in Wisconsin. There, Phyllis reached a breaking point. And upon returning to Chicago, Phyllis chewed out Slim in front of some of the other girls. Now, Slim couldn't have that, so he wound up and punched Phyllis in the face. Broke her jaw. Oh. And that's when things started to unravel for him on this leg of his pimp. Well, this uh, is his- the woman in the, with the wire in her jaw. He 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 broke his bottom bitch. You see, he she yeah. ran out of her mileage. Right. So you need that bottom bitch to be like strong, and you need a replacement at least immediately. And now that he he has all these women in the stable now, who are running wild. Right. There's no lead. There's no one to command. You need like in directing. You need an AD to get the shit. Right. Done. But if but if your mouth is in a wire, you can write 
an excellent album that will change the world. That's what Kanye told me. Well, that's good. Um, <laughs> he sure did. <laughs> no, but he broke her jaw and um, she left after that. It, it's gone. 1944, the pressure got too much for Slim, so uh, he went out on a walk to buy some heroin as he was kind of into doing that. Unfortunately, he was being watched by the police and was picked up for questioning. He was booked for pimping and spent time at Cook County Jail with uh, a little cell with eight people in it. A cell that was probably the size of this little area we're in now. So like a like an eight by ten. Like a tiny by tiny. Like just people laying on top of each other. Uh, terrible, terrible. So he was when he was booked for cook. Uh, he's booked for pimping, but then they also got him on draft dodging, which I just mentioned, and also violating the Man Act, which we covered with Chuck Berry. Oh yeah, uh, has to do with oh human trafficking. Yeah, it's bringing uh, women, like women for solicitation across state lines, so it becomes a federal thing. Um, <laughs> Chuck uh, Berry had that. Oh, Chuck Berry, uh, I, I got a little fire in my lungs. Oh shit, Chuck. So wait, it did, wait, did he get brought up on federal charges? Yeah, with the Man Act thing. Chuck oh, Berry had shit. the so, Cherokee yeah, woman, but, so, right? So exactly. when I was hustling around, there are times where I would just point at some of the shit, and because we had so much stuff and the amount of volume that we were dealing with, we would just be like, "Fed," because whenever we were really doing something where we knew we were committing a federal crime, that's whenever we really put our game face on, just in case. Yeah, just know you know you know what the charge is going into that was that was that yeah. when you were like i'm gonna throw this pizza on the roof fucking walter Ru white pulled your pants yeah, down only only instead of like having a lab i just know mexicans that like to barbecue that'll just give me whatever the hell i want that sounds like a way cooler story than breaking bad i'm just saying i'd rather just it hang out with really mexicans is, that give dude. you great like, food Mm. Yeah, and they really liked me, man. They liked to hang out with me because they were they. A lot of these people were gun nuts, and uh, I was able to really hold a conversation with these people about how to, you know, the practical application of a firearm. And uh, I mean, a, a fucking iceberg has to learn this type of shit too, because some dude tries to fucking con him into killing another pimp to try to like climb the ladder and shit like that. And, uh, I mean, there's always this, like, threat of violence. Yeah. And there's other pimps that are telling him when he can have heat and when he can have work and shit like that. And where he's supposed to, like, have his stash stashed out on the street in case he gets picked up. So he'd, it's better to use this, lose the stash than take the heat. Oh, yeah, for sure. I and mean, there's all, all these things he's learning, and it's uh, stuff that gets totally overlooked when you're just... Like, kind of going, this is this is just criminals. I mean, I feel like, like uh, w wouldn't there be, like, something that you'd learn, kind of, like, if you're on the streets of, like, fucking someone up to the point where you will almost kill them, but not kill them, because then you would draw heat to yourself? Um, yeah, he, I, I don't think he ever murdered anyone. I think right? th there's, like, the Adam, the story you just mentioned with the guy um, pressuring him to kill the other pimp, he says he's not down with the murder thing. Uh, he has certainly pushed a lot of his women to the brink of death, right? But never, never offed anyone. He was soft, softest dude. He, this guy was getting discounts of red, senior discounts of Red Lobster, even though he was in his thirties. Good liar, good liar. So he was able to make bail, but he was—he uh, knew time was coming. So he had a little time out on the street. Uh, on the street, he was down to juggling two to three women at a time. So he had really lost his whole empire so and. Like a good spender, didn't have any money. Some people call him a juggalo. <laughs> he talks about that, actually, because he tries to avoid being a juggalo because then he's going to stop getting paid sooner. 
yeah, you you want to have one, ha- have a bitch who's going to stay for a while. You figure out her shelf life, and then you like you have to figure that in by talking to the woman. Yeah, like I mentioned before, Baby Bell says know everything about these women. That's part of it. Right. Figure out how long they're going to be able to work for you. Push them. Figure out when the, the first time they got raped was. Like, start, like, really Ooh. getting deep in them. It's weird. Right. Uh, I mean, a baby bell has a shelf life as well. So, <laughs> trust me, if you've opened up, if you have ever, I have done this. If you've ever opened up a baby bell that's past its shelf life, it will look like. A potato uh, in a closet? No, it'll look like, no, well, it, maybe. You know the episode of Cowboy Bebop where he opens the fucking uh, fridge and there's that lobster? Toys in the attic? Yeah. Yeah, that's dude. what the baby that's... bell looks like when you crack that shit open over the wax. It, mm. yeah, he, he was only scared twice in that whole series, and that was uh, during that and when he fought that fucking scary, invincible clown. Oh, that's the scariest episode. But let me tell you, baby bells, if you want to experience that fear... If you want to experience uh, Spike's fear, I'm, I'm glad. leave a baby bell out on, on the sidewalk in front of your house. Open it in two weeks. I'm glad we're not mentioning him anymore after this. <laughs> this, uh, this is a, that is a, uh, a buzzword. Baby bell. So on trial, he admitted guilt over pimping and was sentenced to 18 months in Leavenworth Federal Penitentiary in Kansas. The rules were strict at Leavenworth. No talking in the hallways. No... Talking during food times. Guards were always marching back and forth. Not much to tell, because not much happened there. Uh, released in 1947 from Leavenworth, and went back to live with his mom oh, for about a week. So they got a term for places like that. They're Cadillac units. Cadillac units. That Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because really, yeah, the guards are uptight and everything like that. But whenever you got a bunch of people that are enforcing rules all the time, then you don't have to worry about the fucking inmates running wild and running the show too hard. Because that turns into like, well, it can either be a gladiator unit or a rock and roll unit. A rock and roll unit is where the inmates kind of got a run of it and they can get they can get away with some shit and have some fun. But it's nothing too crazy where people are getting too gangster with it and shit like that. Right, you 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 get away with a little more contraband and stuff like. And, yeah, people get in weed from time to time, get some dip. Uh, maybe they'll like you know maybe they'll sneak in some pornography or something like that because that's contraband too. Wait, you can't go to Brazzers dot com when you're in prison. Nah, yeah, and think about this: when you're in prison, there's an information shortage. Like you can't just look, you can't just Google something, dude. Really? And uh, that took me a second to get used to. Because, you know, I was, uh, uh, I, like, I, I grew up on the internet and shit like that. I'm an old F-slur, if you know what I mean. Sure, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so. I were and, around uh, the same age, I think. No. Oh, I ran into another guy that was anonymous uh, while I was down, actually. That tripped everybody out. Because you basically started talking in meme speak, and all the black guys that really have their own really weird way of slang of saying things were just like fascinated with the way we were talking to one another. It's <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's got to be weird. I didn't, I didn't even think about that. Because you, I mean, you obviously don't have a phone. Um, yeah. You, I mean, we're. If you want to know something, you're going to have to write a letter and ask them to Google it or go try to look it up in the library. How big were the library? Not that bad. Uh, you know, I stayed reading the whole time I was down, and uh, I read a ton of books, man. Like, I had nothing better to do. Yeah. And so, it was a good way to pass the time. I mean, I did, actually, I read more than anything else, that's for sure. That's good to at least give you that. And this was a banned book, by the way. 
Oh, I'm sure. This is this get people excited. Icebergs, book. I'm, yeah, I'm sure his whole catalog had to have been hot button shit. You know? Why? Is why that, would they not allow? This is borderline uh, banned. Anything that anything that could promote racial violence is banned, and they use that to just say no to all sorts. Wait, of Wait, so you're saying they you use could... they use that to try to say no to one of my One Piece manga books? Wait, so you couldn't fucking take out Mein Kampf from the library? Not unless you were in the master's degree class and you were taking that class. Oh, so people, the, the neo Nazis would be like, "I'm taking them. I'm taking the master class." Why are you speaking like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're pretty pretty shameless about it, man. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be wild, dude. Um, yeah, really, really racist ass place. He doesn't like. He kind of talks about it when he was down, but I mean, I saw that more than like I don't know. Maybe this is just like some pre gangster shit or something like that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, 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 that would definitely be a culture shock on top of it. I've heard about just the the blatant racism and stuff like that. Like it's one thing to make a joke every yeah. now, but this is like people right. live by this shit. And it's like, oh my god, like. What do you well, mean? yeah, he kind of talks about it too, like the black economy and the white economy and how they move stuff differently. Because he talks about all the stuff that he did. All he ever did was extract money out of the black community. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Not and good. so, like, what he did damaged his people, and that's how he knew that he just couldn't do it forever. Right. Because, you know, he knew that the karma was going to constantly catch up with him. You know, he kind of really does think about how he was going to get out the game. I I haven't really, because I feel like the the culture really kind of identified with, or, or I, not identified, but shown kind of Iceberg Slim as being, like, the pimp, and, right, you've got, like, Snoop Dogg and all these guys coming out of that, right? But I've never, you've never really kind of seen the white pimp, and I'm assuming the white pimp looks like Danny DeVito. Oh, I, Fred Durst. <laughs> Fred Durst. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So with that flamboyantly red hat. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The only uh, white pimp I've ever seen depicted in film off the top of my mind is in Twelve Monkeys. Who's the white pimp in Twelve Monkeys? Well, they go and get the hotel room where Bruce Willis is like taking out his teeth and shit. Oh yeah. And uh, he, Bruce Willis goes up there and they think that his lady friend is a bitch, and the pimp comes in and goes, he's like Australian or something. He's like, you're on me, Jeff. Like, <laughs> or James Franco in that movie. Oh yeah, Iceberg Simpson. Mm-hmm. Uh, now <laughs> back here. So he yeah. leaves Leavenworth and he tries to get right back into pimping. He finds more women, but his reputation has been sullied. He has lost all of his fancy clothes, and uh, he's basically taken a task. He's got to start over again. The climate had changed while he was in jail, too. Um, there, were, there weren't like any more big pimps in Chicago when he okay. was because there were a lot of busts happening. Um, let's see. He made his rounds at the clubs that he used to visit. He ran into another pimp there who had just gotten out of jail named Red Eye. They teamed up on a robbery scheme, and uh, acting as police, they tried to rob the richest woman in town, and they actually pulled it off. So they said, you know what, let's do this instead of pimp him. Eat the rich. So the kidnap yeah, lady. Uh, yeah. Wait, she was a drug dealer, right? Yeah, she was a drug dealer. It was like a local. Um, who- oh, so man, if you don't mind, I'd like to talk about why I never got robbed. All right. Yeah, please. Man, and I, I've had a lot of money on me at the same time and sh- it, shit like that. Because I've had people that come in from out of town where I'm moving anvils and shit like that. Like hundreds of pounds of pot and shit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're running around with like five figures on you. I had like cargo shorts where my shorts are completely full of money with like both sides of my pockets. <laughs> oh, shit. But uh, 
one of the reasons people didn't fuck with me is because I just uh, because I'm a gun nut and a firearm enthusiast. Well, <laughs> I'm yeah. fucking carry, constantly man. strong arming people into talking about guns because I had a hell of a collection and I wanted to make sure I had my bases covered. So first off, uh, I wouldn't have just gone out where the all where you can just suddenly get jumped by a couple of people because if I've ever moving anywhere with money, I've already like pre routed everything and, and shit like that. I'm never holding on to much. Yeah, and if I, and so. But also, I could, like, shoot someone's car and stop them and shit like that. Because I had a 460 Magnum that would, like, crack an engine block. Oh, so shit. I would, <laughs> You'll grand that auto to, that bitch. No, I'm going to make sure this money isn't going anywhere. Yeah. I need to make sure the drugs stay where they are. I need to make sure the money stays where it is. Because if they're jacking me, I'm jacking them back. And people knew that I would. Right, yeah. <laughs> May abundantly clear. It's like, oh... I mean, you could also go the opposite direction, too. I mean, like, if you're like, yeah, I'm a gun enthusiast, you could also be like, I'm a complete freak, right? And, like, have just, like, dildos on you, because that's what I would do. Well, you also have no money. I have no money. Yeah. Well, people also knew that I was a fucking a crazy person to play planning shit out. I Like, people, I, people were race scared, is what we called it. They were, like, people that weren't white were scared that i'm like that school shooter type or something like oh, that so you're playing in like the columbine thing where you were like wearing like trench coats i do, coats I, and do stuff? I did have a trench coat where i look fucking slick like the matrix and shit like that because i had a side <laughs> of 12 and a scar oh fuck and then yeah. i had a bunch of fucking pistols and shit like that so yeah i could be fucking strapped under this bitch <laughs> just like blasting but, fucking marilyn manson um, dude I, I go fucking heat on people because i had a fn scar that shoots a 308 man and they didn't even commercially make a body armor that stopped a bullet within 50 yards if you had a full metal jacket yeah so i was actually like there was enough money on the thing where i needed to fight off the feds and disappear in a back forest for a while so i could get to some people that had like four wheelers and shit to get off in the in the woods and shit like that like there was a like i had escape plans and all sorts of shit because i would just sit around smoking weed watching hood hood and mafia movies thinking about how to be a better hustler and shit <laughs> like that like how you can just do it just to do it better just to do it better like, we had a bong fridge that we were very hospitable. We had cameras all over this bitch. You couldn't get anywhere close to us without us seeing seeing you coming and shit. So I'm gonna- and it was a crazy lifestyle, man. Like, whenever you're really known and you're able to get shit done that you're not supposed to be able to get done, it's kind of addicting, man. It gives you a rush. I want to ask a question just because Mike isn't here. Sure. Did a kickflip in- involve your escape plan? <laughs> Uh, like were you no, just were you just like fuck the feds like and then they're gonna drive up like is this, this is part of the plan like they're driving no. up in all black vans and then I'll just do a kickflip and then we can just like mm. do the plan yeah. on our way normally. Yeah. No, I I had uh, I had three options. I had three options because I was able to get off into the woods for a second, go down like a drainage ditch area where I knew some people that I could trust in that neighborhood over there, and these people are Mexican as fuck, and they would just sell to me cash right there, like their ratty ass CRX or their dirt bike or their four wheeler. Okay. And so I was going to go off and then run off with that. And I had all the money in a Gucci backpack and shit like that, dude. It looks slick as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) How long were you hustling? Uh, Like, you know, a little over two years, about two and a half years, something like that. Mm -hmm. And the first, like... The first, like, nine months was fairly slow, but once the wheels got rolling and people realized that things were going to stay regular, people just, uh, people appreciate reliability in a weed Costco. Yeah. Yeah. 
I would like a grape ape, AK a million, please. <laughs> yeah, you'd like to be able to go to a place and be like, hey man, give me a pound of purple nurple and shit like that. And if you they always had stock, people just keep on showing up and that's fine. Also, there were some, some bullshit rules that you're going to have to deal with for us. And like, uh, so like if you were coming to do business with us, you knew that you're going to have to be there for like at least 45 minutes to an hour. Like you're going to have to play, sit down, play a couple of rounds of Call of Duty, maybe watch a couple episodes of Metalocalypse or something like that. Just so it doesn't look like we're just there hustling, basically. Right. So you, you, so they, you guys were kind of like the Texas version of like the guys in Lockstock. You've seen Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels, yeah, right? Where they're yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. they're hanging out well, at their I, house and. Except that you guys didn't have BB guns, you had real guns. Oh, yeah, dude. I had a gun for every occasion I could think of. I had a setup where I could shoot through the walls of that place if I was in the back room. Right. If we were doing, like, a big deal and shit. And uh, I I really, I always had my Saiga 12 at the ready. Like, if there was something going down, the engagement range is so small. I had a Saiga 12 with a freaking 20-round drum and then two 12-round magazines that were going, like, buck slug. And that's good enough to freaking deal with any actual real problem you might really have. Yeah. Damn. And that thing looked intimidating as fuck. And the sound of it, man, makes people's fucking asshole pucker, dude. You're just like, <laughs> shrunk, and people are like, oh, shit. Well, that's what I've always like, yeah, said. Man, you see one of these bitches? That's what I always said with self-defense, right? Like, if you get something that has a, a scary sound, like you have, like, a shotgun that just goes, yeah. that'll make someone poop hard and fast and then they'll run and then yeah i I almost always had a shotgun on me man uh i had a two-shot derringer that shot a 410 or a 45 long colt i had it set up for bird shot or a 45 long colt or a slug or something so i always had the option to shoot someone to let them know i was fucking serious and I like, uh, pe- like I didn't really let a whole lot of people know that I would that I would do that. But there's a couple people where I'm like, nah, man, I'm really not to be fucked with. I don't think you understand. Yeah. Damn. Man, because I've... I was I was very serious about protecting that money. I was the money guy. I kept track of like I, I was. So I, I was a National Merit Scholar and actually got a perfect score in the math of the SAT, and I'm able to keep track of a lot of numbers. And I have a unique knack to be able to do math while incredibly high. And so I would be uh, hustling with these people, freaking going in and out with them, and I'd be able to negotiate good prices where we're all stoned to the bone, and I always had a really good idea of where all the money's at. And all these people that I'm hustling with, they love the lifestyle of easy money, and it's easy come, easy go. And so I'm kind of dissuading them. I'm not really lying to them, but I am jiving them and making fun of them and shit like that so I could keep this money in the coffers to keep this shit turning around because there's this weird magnetic effect that once you have a lot of money it suddenly becomes real easy to get a whole lot more yeah oh yeah it's it's um it's the inertia of it when you have cash flow you can make a lot more happen that's what happened to papa uh-huh. john's <laughs> sure did all right let's get back in the house now we have um this robbery that takes place they rob mavis rich woman they uh basically beat her until she uh shows yank yeah, the stash the stash at her snatch yeah she mm-hmm. had her, she had like a couple grand in there it was a lot of money back then um, in yeah. her snatch and some and some drugs. Yeah, like next to yeah drugs. She was woo. She was high rolling. So uh, they tried. <laughs> they tried it again a week later, and they were caught by the police. These two men. So Slim took his lawyer's advice and pleaded guilty to the robbery charge in a deal. Now he was sent to a workhouse. But the workhouse turned out to be worse than the prison for Slim. It was filthy. Uh, the hierarchy was fucked since he was pinched for robbery. He immediately started thinking of escape plans. I mean, workhouse is way too close to work camp. 
Um, How old is he at this point? Oh, well, this is 30... No, no, this is 40... 47. So 1947, he's 1918... 32? Okay. Ish. Our age. Yeah. He's done more things than me, apparently. Yeah. I'm very... Yeah, yeah and he's had, a, he's had a bottom bitch since he was 20. Yeah, he's been in it for a while. So his prison vi- break involved a dummy, and his cellmate would set it up after uh, he had skipped... Because, you know, they do the bell. I mean, they, they sound a horn when everything's been checked and they're locking down. So he made a slipper escape while the wa- workers were being chaperoned back to their cells after a work day. The cellmate did a good job of propping up a dummy. Good for him. And Slim ran for it. He went to his aunt's house, which was in Indiana, about 30 miles away. At his aunt, aunt's house, he was fed, clothed, and after a week, they gave him 50 bucks and sent him on his way. He prowled locally for a bit. In Indiana, look, looking for where the uh, the pimps pimps frolicked, the pence the, frolicked. The, yes, where he did it, and uh, finds himself a woman named Helen. Now he turned tricks for another week there and made a, a, enough money to go over to Detroit. Helen and him didn't last long, as she was a grimy bitch who knew way more about pimping than he even did. Yes, mm. you know he is into it at this point. When do you think your your vag starts to smell like a seafood platter? Oh, that's a great question. I feel like that's a serious and question you need to answer. As it, what's what's funny is story. that the quality of like someone's pimp is sort of what determines like what class whore they are and shit yeah. like that. So it's the pimp that also gives the woman value and shit like that. It's a really weird parasitic symbiotic symbiotic relationship at the same time and shit like that. It's real fucked up. I mean, yeah. I, it is absolutely. Uh, but I think that. As a pimp, you should know at what point does your hoe enter the the realm of, like, you've just paid for this woman. Here's a complimentary marinara sauce. Uh, like, <laughs> cocktail sauce. It's like like a, like a checking your tires. You put yeah. a penny in there. Yeah. And you see how deep it goes. And yeah, it she's goes about all the way, to reach her mileage, you're going to have to cut her loose. Yeah. Yeah. They have, their, they have the shelf life. We know yeah. about this. The uh, shellfish life. So after she stabbed him during a fight, they parted ways. Detroit was uh, good for Slim. The women weren't as smart. Well, this is like, okay, so this guy's like moving through like black history. Because now like we're entering like Motown time, right? In Detroit. Yeah, he is. Like, so like the 50s. He's seen it all. That's pretty crazy. We're about, we're on the edge of the 50s. This is like the Forrest Gump of like, of black culture. (laughs) Not at all. Not at all, at one bit. I mean, kind of, a fucking, he's going into Motown. No, I'm not, I don't mean this in, like, the fact that he's a pimp. Like, Forrest Gump, like, just, like, went You're telling through the, history. The, the way the story is. No, nah, Forrest Gump got Georgia'd. He got freaking Well, yeah, I know he got fucked in his dick. And then got built for money later, where really Forrest Gump barely even knew what was going on. No. Like, I think, actually, Jenny, I, I don't know if it's illegal to have sex with a retard in Alabama or wherever the hell they did it, but uh, I think Jenny's guilty. I think Jenny's. I think he's. I think Jenny's clitoris. Oh, and she knew she had AIDS. Don't forget about yeah, that. Yeah, no, Jenny. Oh post, God, post, that's fucked up. Post AIDS, Jenny's clitoris could get really hard and thin, and she would sound. Oh, oh my goodness, that's that's disgusting. Oh my God, that's a horrible <laughs> well, thing. I'm sure that Iceberg Slim has just done about every sexual thing you could think of with all these freaking hoses coming in and out of his stable and shit like that. Is How it, many did he end up having? Like what? Like, what's a fairly accurate number, like, uh, as far as people can tell? Um, so he has claimed, like, a thousand-ish. Um, 400 
most likely is a realistic number. Um, I, I don't really know because it's you're like pimp has lies in it. It's not all the truth. Now it's a lot yeah. of truth. Um, well, yeah, a lot of the stories that I tell, man, uh, they're not exactly true, but they're basically true. Like, actually, there's a lot of times that I got to storify something because what actually happened just doesn't sound real. It's so fucking crazy sometimes. Like, when you live a wild life like that and people are, like, doing drugs, doing dirt, getting grimy and shit like that, people get fucking emotional. And shit can happen. And it gets pretty wild pretty quick. Oh, yeah. Did he have a cup? I would have a cup if I was him, because there's a lot of bitches trying to hit Oh, you. shit. Okay. No, yeah, I'd have a chalice. Yeah, that's what I mean. Orb that I, and I'll have one of those orbs with a cross on top of it, my other hand and shit like that. Well, like the one that... Another bitch is, hol- another bitch is holding my, my scepter. <laughs> Wait, like the orb that Donald Trump and yeah. the Saudi and Arabian princes touched? And I have two more bitches <laughs> holding my cape. I want to carry... I'm just going to carry... Yeah, keep- gr- I'm going to carry around a grapefruit with, like, a uh, stick in it. Yeah. Good practice. Cloves. Yeah. so he had a different tactic in detroit he was looking for the right ladies instead of the most ladies Uh, it worked and he had plenty of women he was able to pull some money uh within three months he was top pimp in detroit because he uh, chicago was a lot rougher so he was able to really work himself up quick uh he wasn't crazy about detroit so he moved the trusty handful of ladies to ohio uh he was lucky, too, because the Detroit police had raided the red light district and most of the pimps in the area had been pinched. So just in time. And Ohio was good for him until one of his bitches, Serena, tried to stab him with an ice pick. Now, he shot her when she charged at him with the pick. Uh, he did not kill her, but that was the first time he discharged yeah. a firearm into a woman. It wasn't the first time he dis- yeah. discharged. Well, funny enough, <laughs> he was going to use an ice pick to try to kill his stepdad that, like, beat him and his mom. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, he, like, hid under the stairs of his uh, his apartment for days, but the guy had jumped ship. Yeah, that was, like, after the jaw was broken. Imagine spending uh-huh. a birthday under, under some stairs with an ice pick. Yeah, it sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he did not kill her. That's where we're at with Serena. So Serena escapes, and Slim, with his four remaining bitches, left the scene and headed to his mother's house. Classic. After the heat died down a bit, he set up houses in Toledo and Cleveland, Ohio. The money started coming in, but it didn't last long. His main bitch, Rachel, was getting offers from other pimps, and he knew that she would give him testimony, uh, give testimony if had the opportunity. So Rachel and her him were not on good terms. He had to really control this bitch. So this is the Dave Chappelle story, the one he tells in that stand-up. Did you I see that? Th- no, I thought you were going to say friends with Rachel and Ross. He, try- he tries to make that shit funny, but really it's more serious. He manages to fit like a bitch is going to join the circus joke. Talk about tr- but other friends than that, being funny. serious. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah no, that, that story. So anyone like who hasn't heard it, Dave Chappelle tells this story, and I don't want to go into it in detail, but basically what happens is that he manipulates Rachel into thinking she has killed someone. Oh. And puts himself he in a situation. He hired crisis actors. Yeah, he did a crisis actor. Shit. And uh, he goes, hey, don't worry if you stay with me, secret safe. So that's how he's able to control her. That's the best secret Santa. You just open the box. You open the box. The life. Yeah. You open the box. Like you just pass around doing the secret Santa, you just got like a box, and, and the inside says "Secret Save with Me." Yeah, that extended <laughs> the life of the hoe by like forty percent. Yeah, I love that. 
It's a ridiculous story. So after this, Slim becomes a little more paranoid. He hides out in his uh, uh, Cleveland house for over a year of being arrested. With Drew um, Carey? Yeah, he's, it's, he's playing pool in the backyard for a year. Cool. Uh, he found out that his old bottom bitch, Phyllis, was in the same area and that she would certainly call the cops on him if she found out that he was there. So he skipped town and went to L.A. His lady stayed in Ohio and sent him money. He then went to Seattle to start pimping. While in Seattle, he started sending bitches to other states to do work. He was apprehended by police when he went to collect money from one of his bitches in Montana. They found out that he was a fugitive and was sent back to the workhouse after being on the lam for 13 years. Wow, so this guy's like real. So he's in Seattle and he's got bitches that are in Montana? Yeah, this is my bitch Space Needle. I'm just saying, that's a fucking, that's a big region to control. What year is this? Now, so, well, he's, this is the... Is is he jet setting or is he propeller setting? We pretty much just covered all of the 50s in the last few minutes. Like, that's what he was doing. Okay, Okay. all right. So we're going through, and uh, no, we're in the 60s now, early 60s. He had 11 months more to do at the workhouse. Most of that time was just solitary confinement. This is what we were talking about before, how how much that fucks with your head. Yeah. 11 months of that shit will fuck with you. And it's kind of theorized that in here, this is like, this is the turning point in his life. This is when he goes, I'm going to clean up. I'm not going to do this shit anymore. I'm going to stay sharp. And when I get out of here, I'm going to go take care of my mom. He finds out his mom isn't doing well. So he's in a bad way. Mm -hmm. He also finds out that party time passed away. Uh, Rachel figured out that, that the whole thing was a hoax with the, the fake death. Right. So she's he's, like, he's got nothing. She's clapping. Yeah. She's jumping in the fountain with her friends. She's out. It's good friends reference, by the way. Yeah, I thank like you. A good clap. Slim remembered that um, what happened to his friend Oscar. So he, he makes it a point to be as um, busy with his mind as he can in solitary. He swore to kick drugs. He didn't want to do that shit anymore. So he gets released in 1961. He goes to Cali to be with his mother. He changes his name illegally to Robert Beck. Beck was uh, his mother's husband's name. And this is where the gangster guitarist Beck gets his name. Yes, exactly. So Beck had a hard time finding square work, but refused to go back to pimping. He was tempted many times. He was bad situations. He does get some shitty jobs and uh, helps his mom with rent. His mom wanted to see him have a family and get a nice wife, so Beck hit the diners and hot dog stands of L.A. Wait, are you telling me that Beck is actually Guy Fieri? But <laughs> yeah, he's but doing has, that. Oh my god, dude! Imagine this guy with a uh, a bowling shirt going, "Hey, be my wife." Yeah, but it's also like white girls. Like, so it's cause Beck. Beck is iceberg. Kind of. Well, his first. His, oh. The, he had a he had a saying that was pretty funny. He's like, "There's two things that I've never seen: uh, a pretty pit bull and an ugly white woman." <laughs> <laughs> so his first, uh, his wife is a white woman. Her name is Betty Shu. She's from Austin, Texas, and she was in her twenties, and he was in her forties. Was she uh, naked bicycling like our boy here? No, no, no. She was not. She was uh, a victim of uh, men in church. Experience. No. Or some shit like that. Oh. That's the Texas way to do it, traditionally. I don't know. What, what. <laughs> so she has a rough life, and Beck liked her enough to protect her and be on her side. And he really just wanted a wife. 
So during their first date, Betty got sick and Beck drove her to the hospital where they found out she was pregnant. It wasn't Beck's kid. This was their first date. She had been, you know, doing fun stuff. But Beck really Uh-oh. liked her. And he decided that he wouldn't let that get in the way and took care of her. Oh, wow. I guess I can be kind of a blue-pilled beta cuck at times. <laughs> Shout out to Vito. <laughs> well, you know, gonna, well, you know, that is the right Christian thing to do, to take care of, you know, a child in need. beta male! Beta I guess the way he looked at it, too, is that, like, the only guy he ever loved uh, was Henry, who had done the same for him. Oh, you like Party Boy. Well, I like Party Boy. I mean, he, lo- he but he loved Party Henry. That was more professional. Like, Henry was family, and, like, he feels guilty about it because he feels like if him and his mom didn't leave him, he would have still been alive. Like, he'd even said something along that lines, like, I don't think I could go on without you. Yeah, he died, like, a year after she left. Broken heart. She yeah, yeah. He died from a broken heart, just like in the prequels of Star Wars. Yeah, I feel like you guys are so well informed on the subject, so I'm just going to... Add some of my two cents because I read the book and it said one of his famous quotes was, I don't want to close my eyes, I don't want to fall asleep. That, that's a because uh, I miss you, babe. You I read the pamphlet <laughs> from the Armageddon soundtrack. Yeah, I just, you know, it's not his book. No, it's his book. Dude. All right, well, Romaine, Romaine fat, <laughs> fat ass Romaine, fat ass Romaine. Now he took Betty back to his mom's apartment, took care of her. Beck's mom knew what kind of person her son was and warned Betty. She was square with her. Betty didn't understand. She was like, he's so nice. Why, you know, what are you saying? He's a rotten person. So Beck told her that he would explain everything, but it wasn't the time. He wanted Betty to have the kid take care of herself, and she was trusting enough to go along with it. Beck and Betty were a good partnership long term. But Beck never really, like, he didn't love Betty that much. Like, he, he loved things about her. They, had, mm. they were good partners. But it was more of a partnership than it was like they were lovers. I mean, they banged, but as you do. He had issues with women and really can't, like, he kept her around to appease his mother initially. And then it just just worked out. They were together for a very, very, very long time. Uh, His mom passed away a few months after Betty moved in and things went downhill again for a bit. Do you think that Betty was just around to get his mother's senior discount? To Red Lobster. Dude, this guy has yeah. some mommy issues. Yeah, sure. I'm just saying, because if she if she bails after the mom dies, you know for certain that 65 plus discount goes away. Oh yeah. It's oh gone. yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's gone, dude. 15 percent off, more like 50 percent back on. Yeah, and uh, let's just say he didn't fight World War II, so he's not a veteran. That's true. So Beck became an exterminator for a company. Uh, then he branched out to start his own business. It was a illegitimate business, but there was a lot of bureaucratic paperwork to be done. So I, you just start a business. It's right. fine. Um, he then went through some trying times. He had a, uh, they had their bastard son, Robin. And then they had three girls together, Camille, Melody, and Misty. <laughs> this guy would pump out three girls. Yeah. You know, they, mm-hmm. that's karma. Well, yeah, that's, that's what happens. Men that are mean to women have daughters. Yeah, that's just divine <laughs> karma. Divine as hell. Um, Beck's like being a father, but had to play it cool. Being in an interracial relationship, it was rough at the time. He didn't bring his kids out much for that reason. Race tensions were high, 
in the mid '60s, LA had those race riots. Uh, he he wanted in on the civil rights movement too, but he had more of a duty to his kids, where he never really put himself on the line. Do you think? I mean, maybe Malcolm X would have taken him, but like, do you think that like Martin Luther King would have taken like a pimp? Like this guy under his wing. There, I mean, he was a reverend, right? You know. So, uh, like, interestingly, there were a lot of people who lashed out in the civil rights movement against, like, Robert Beck's writing. Okay. So it, it was a mixed bag. It really was. Right. So when was this book published? Like, did he ever get any celebrity out of all, out of his books? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I'll get into that. In a bit. Well, there's interviews and shit where they got the honkiest people you've ever seen trying to figure out how to ask him questions, and they're just they're flabbergasted. They don't even know what to say. Well, excuse me, Mister Beck. Would you say that pimping is not easy? Uh, <laughs> kind of. Yeah, that's actually. <laughs> so Beck starts telling some of the his pimp stories to Betty in his free time. Free time telling wild tales of conquest, violence, filth, and Betty was enamored by these stories. This is how Beck becomes a writer, basically. Like, Betty was a key player in that. Betty suggests that he dictate the stories and she would write them down. So he knew the book. After a while, like, they start putting together this manuscript. They don't know what it's called, but they, they're like, this is going to sell. Like, this has a lot of potential. So he got involved with a college professor to help finish the book, but then he grew suspicious of the man when he uh, was offered a contract that seemed a little. Uh, it seems like he was there was like fifty fifty revenue s- split, but he lost like the rights to the book. Dude, fifty fifty revenue split and, and a loss to the rights it sounds fucking terrible. He it made is a good decision. Well, he yeah. he would have been fine with just the fifty fifty revenue split if the guy the guy was just supposed to help him formulate it and make a real manuscript. Yeah, no, but even Ghostwriter takes like twenty percent. Let's be real. Well, the, the guy was taking advantage of him. Yeah, he he was. I mean, the guy, you know. Slim- I mean, I've seen Ghostwriter, dude. It's a fucking orb. It's a fucking orb, and it floats around your house, and it's on Nickelodeon. So, uh, so Betty, uh, this wouldn't have happened without this woman. Uh, she was hard at work. She was still subscribing uh, and editing. And Betty saw a wanted ad in the newspaper for black authors to submit to Holloway House Publishing. Now, this was his publisher for life. Um, not a great publisher. He probably got ripped off a bunch with royalty deals and stuff. They, they seemed a little shady. With that, Betty and Beck put together a manuscript of the first hundred pages of the of the novel. They had named it by this point. It was Pimp, the lead editor of Holloway House. A guy named Milton Sickle read the book and sent it up to the top guy, Bentley Morris. Now, Bentley Morris saw some potential behind the gritty story and gave Beck an advance to get the book done, fifteen hundred bucks. Dang, it's a good amount of money. I don't drink. This is just very. Terrible. Tom. Tom is not drinking, and now there's a drink right next to him. Yeah, when I'm not. This is like two weeks' work for one hoe, though. Although he is making legitimate money. Well, he's making this money, and it comes and goes because even the legitimate money is him selling chemicals that he's getting illegally. Like this is closer to going straight than. So he's also drug dealing too. Well, the chemicals are just to kill rats and shit. Oh. Like he makes a fake business and he just comes as a rep and he has like his friend's yeah. phone number. It's part of his ad campaign. He's like, this shit is so good. It's against the law. Right. So he's basically Roscoe hunting down bugs in your house as yeah. a beagle. He, he's like John Goodman in arachnophobia. <laughs> did, so, wait, did, did you have those commercials in uh, Texas? That's the a fucking York, beagle. That's that, a New York thing. That's, that's only a New York thing. We had a beagle that hunt down fucking bugs. 
Bed bugs, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We always had a bunch of bugs that go like... <laughs> yeah. Actually, that was... Uh, we would say that in prison, too, because when people were just trying to basically bum something off you, like, ask you for just something, just see if they could get a little something for free, you could go... Right, and act like you're spraying them with a the bug spray thing because they're trying to roach some free shit. <laughs> So if you called someone a roach, all they all is just they they're broke and don't have anything. They only know they only can use at that point. Just be like, come on, please. Like like a damn insect. Mm-hmm. So they get this. Uh, they get the book in the hands of Bentley Morris. Um, they have the advance now. They finish the book, and Pimp was published in 1967, and it had some interesting cultural impact. A lot of mixed reviews, that's for sure. Uh, Pimp is the story of Iceberg Slim, which is the character he creates and he goes by in the book. Um, it's crude. It's full of drugs, violence, all the stuff we've been talking about. The writing process was somewhat therapeutic for Beck. This is why he continued afterwards, too. Wait, so did he get rid of the Ghost Rider? He just, he's writing this himself? Well, he's a smart boy? Well, yeah. He, he really did all the work. I mean, his uh, Betty did the writing. She was faster right. at writing than him. Okay, because you said this guy's a smart guy. Like, he he's is really smart. It's not that he was. Yeah, it's, he's got the gift of gab. It, yeah, exactly. It wasn't that. It, it wasn't like uh, a Mark Twain thing where his wife actually did all the writing. Right. It was. Because I mean, Mark Twain. All uh, that that note was that Mark Twain couldn't spell or have any grammar. He just was a good storyteller. Exactly. So, uh, Kavanaugh Slim here, or Robert Beck, he's he has he's the whole package. But it's easier for him to tell the story. Right. And Betty's sitting there and transcribing for him. It gets done quicker for them. Yeah, so she's basically just like a voice recorder. He, he does a lot of his own writing after this point. Right. So he's, he's, jo he's Joseph Smithing it. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. And she is a big, fat hat. She's a big, fat fucking gold tablet flashlight. Yeah. Um, dun, she's dun, actually dun, dun, in... Dun, dun. The, there's, a, there's a documentary about him called Portrait of a Slim... Uh, of a Slim... Of a Pimp. And I watched that, and she's alive in it. And she died before it came out. It came, in, it came out in, like, 2012. And I guess they interviewed her in 2010. And this woman has seen some shit. Like, she is chain-smoking cigarettes, just like, oh, man. No, it sounds like a full-blown woman right there. She was, she was, I was impressed. I was very yeah. impressed. So it's not just the story. It's the writing style, the way he words it, the way he and Betty worded things that captivates the readers. It took a year or so of being on shelves before it really took off, but it blew up. And people bought it like mad. I mean, he was able to let everything out. And man, it was a natural gift for him that he was able to put this out. Because he, he wanted to use it as like a cautionary tale. He really does change who he is. Like, he doesn't have a lot of bad shit going on. Right. This is like when I drink too much whiskey and I masturbate in public and yeah. I can't come. Shit, shit. So it's like a <laughs> cautionary like title to these happen. children. It's like, hey, guess what? If you drink too much, you're not going to be able to come. Yeah, you could look like Tom. You could look well, like uh, me, yeah. masturbating in public. Yeah, terrible. Terrible people. Uh, I mean, shit like that does happen. I saw one dude in the pen, man. Half of his face was like a skull tattoo. He had tattoos all over his body. He had like swastikas everywhere. It's just this time when he got locked up, he turned himself over to Jesus, and this dude like really meant it. Like you could tell this dude was like a changed man. It can happen from time to time. Yeah, he was that. You know, I think that's also what helps keep like make these stories so real 
is that they're not braggadocious. You know that there's like a guy with emotions and empathy behind all these drugs and like crazy character that he's doing. So it's basically and they, any, it's basically anyone that doesn't currently own a Tesla. Because those people will yeah. brag about everything they have. Right, exactly. Yeah, but it's like if you own a Tesla, but you also talk about how shitty it is to have to wait for the battery to charge when you forget to do it. See, but that's that's not a Tesla owner. Well, yeah, but that's what Iceberg Slim was if he owned a Tesla. Right, like, I'm saying that person doesn't exist yet. I'm just saying it's right coming. now, yeah, maybe, it's coming. maybe down the road. They're coming, they're coming. These yeah. fucking Tesla pimps are going to be out there. There's going to be whole, like, uh, charging station culture where people are going to be holed over for a couple of hours, so they're going to go fuck off at a swingers club or something. Who knows what the hell is happening? I want to get a Tesla now. That sounds fun. That sounds good. All of a sudden, his appearance on the jo Joe Pine show in 1968 really put him on the spotlight. The host spoke highly of the masked author who he was interviewing. Bless you. Um... He was a white dude, this Joe Pine, and the fact that he spoke so highly of this black author, um, it, it did a lot for his career. And Slim had this really elegant way of speaking, and he didn't really feel the pressure of being on TV. So that translated to him being a... Um, and he was masked? He was masked for this one interview. It's a gimmick okay. that him and Betty came up with. Right, uh, like the masked magician. Just like that. Yeah, except vaginas that are sold. Right, and also on this interview, he was able to promote his next book, Trick Baby. Now, after the interview... Yeah, uh, oh, what, what was it? He talked about like someone being blue, and he's like, what does it mean? Why did you call him blue? He's like, oh, because he was so dark. And then he let the like the uh, the, the host was like, yeah, he looked blue. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah. Like, he didn't know how to deal with some of these questions and shit, <laughs> how the guy was answering them. Yeah, he set himself up, because like, every terminology is something that's uh, kind of either awful or racially driven. So after the interview, Holloway House couldn't keep up with the book orders. The phones wouldn't stop ringing. He started uh, a trend for other ex-pimps to write their stories, and many black authors started writing in a grittier tone. Beck openly praised the Black Panthers and tried... Uh, tried. Um, I have a typo here. What the fuck am I trying to say? Papa Johnny. Yeah, he, he tries to um, speak of civil rights incentives and stuff. He tries to... Uh, get on their team about shit, but it turns out that the Black Panthers take themselves very seriously and publicly denounced Beck because he was a Pam. Oh. During the 19th... 19... Oh, what a bunch of fucking marks. Yeah, right? I, he's like... They missed they the point, the too. Publicity and clout chasing. It's like they missed the point. He's, he's very open about being like, I'm telling this story so young guys can straighten themselves out and not get into this lifestyle the message that they can all agree with, but because they did it, they're like, you know, it's that, uh, it seems very today style. Like yeah. you fucked up and then you're trying to be like, Oh, well, whoops. he also talked a yeah. lot about coming to Jesus and shit like that. So they could have had a problem with that because there's some nation of Islam elements that were in the black power movement at the time. Sometimes it's weird seeing friction in some of these groups. Sometimes, man. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that's what happened, but I'm saying I could see some shit like I, that. I didn't sure know that. As to why they denounced him publicly. Yeah, I didn't right. know that Slim had the come to Jesus moment. Did you? I didn't really find that. Because, I yeah, mean, like, I mean, the Black Panthers are very, like, I Islam. Um, well, so he talks about feeling guilt on, like, basically, like, giving up on his, like, because he was brought up Christian young, young, but he kind of, like, he says it enough in his book where I wouldn't be surprised if he became a little bit religious whenever he uh, got out of pimping. Right, right. I, I believe it. I mean, I know that there was 
a lot of references to that uh, that stuff. I don't really recall that. It still um, feels but, like very much like modern days where it's like you fucked up and then you're trying to tell the world like, hey, this is fucked, dude. Like, I shouldn't have done this or like whatever. And then everyone's just like, no, you're the worst person in the world. We hate you. you we don't want to be associated with you. Oh, absolutely. But it's, I feel like that was going was, on in the 60s and 70s as well. Well, that's just, it's, th- well, there's always there, angry people. There are people. a lot of young black men that use this book. To, to like to use the things that, that are, like are presented in it to not let the streets eat them alive. Yeah, yeah. It's it- and this book is really highly praised, especially like amongst people that talk about like the street life and stuff like that. Like when I looked into it a little bit, I'm like, oh damn, okay. Does everybody have this on their fucking coffee table? If you're like a gangster, yeah, it's kind of like um, it, it is like that culture's bible because it's really the. It it did a lot of good shit and it did a lot of bad shit. It showed it made it someone mainstream in a way to accept those things. And then there were people who did see the cautionary aspect of it that right. did clean themselves up. I mean, they wrote the anarchist cookbook in case of the government rebels against or in case of the, the people need to rebel against the government. Right. But then Columbine happened. Right. Well, and, you know. Well, yeah, well, the, 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 the anarchist cookbook was just yeah. cobbled together of a bunch of old army manuals anyway for, like, uh, like to resist, like, communist dictators in, like, uh, South America. And yeah. Shit like that. It was a bunch of recycled material. They just had a really good marketer. Yeah, but I'm just saying then some guys that really like Doom in Colorado were like, let's just use this book. But you know what I mean? It's oh, like it's not intended. I, I, I fucking love yeah. Doom, dude. Fucking Doom kicks ass, man. Doom's <laughs> fucking sick, man. I'm fucking the caco demon. Oh, great enemy. Well, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it's it's a tool at the end of the day. A piece of literature is tool. It's a tool. Right. It depends on how you want to use it. And if it's if it's a tool worth its salt, it's going to be detailed. Right. So back in the day, a great book could change the world. Right now, a great YouTube video could change the world. Or a great TikTok could a great change TikTok. the world. Changing the world one day at a time. So yeah. during the 1970s, a bunch of um, white feminists tried to get Pimp and the other books um, that he had written taken off the shelves. Luckily, their failed trifling attempts to whitewash this cautionary tale um, dissipated. Luckily, Tom, that's very brave of you. Well, I'm, I'm a brave guy. Yeah, I care about the I, I care about uh, communities. Okay. Period. I'm glad that it wasn't whitewashed by fucking dirty feminists. Yeah. By 1973, it was on its 19th reprint and had sold over two million copies. Damn. Damn. Yeah, he did good. After two novels, he released another autobiography called "The Naked Soul of Iceberg Slim," in which he was kind of telling the story of his current life. Uh, through uh, various essays and stuff. 1976, Slim released an album called Reflections, which is like a jam poetry session where he recites some of his lines. It's, so it's again, like Allen ginsberg style? It's better because there's actual musicians, not just like uh, heroin addicts playing right. bongos. No, like pedophile heroin addicts. Yeah, it's much... Yeah. It's better crafted. It's, I listened to half of it, and I was kind of like over it. Um because I had also read enough of Pimp, where right. I was like, I'm just hearing the same shit again. So then another novel called The Long White Con, which was a continuation of Trick Baby, which was about a con man. I think I kind of brushed see, over I see, that. I see what he did there. He could have gone con, con or dong. The but long- the dong would be a mysterious fictional character. 
What do you mean? Not- the long white dumb. Are you saying Johnny Sins isn't real? Johnny Sins is not real. He's not real. That's CG. Shit. Sorry. I've never met him. Yeah. No, he's CG, dude. You'll never meet him. Have you ever been in the same Oh, is room? he a hologram? Yeah, I Shit. mean... I- Who's got- who owns the IP of Johnny Sims? Because I bet you he's already signed that away or some NFT, shit like that. NFT, dude. He, like- yeah. <laughs> he sold the NFT to Amazon for $2,000. Yeah. Like, sure, you can have Bez- the NFT or the 3D scan of my penis. Yeah, Bezos owns the Johnny Sins NFT. Oh, my God. That's what Bezos has been doing. That's how he made that rocket ship. Yeah. yeah. That's why Bezos has been looking the way he has. That's why he cut off William Shatner when William Shatner is trying to describe the joy of the cosmos. He was like, I told him that I own the NFC to Johnny Sins, so I got to cut him off because he didn't talk about it. <laughs> Enough, old man. You're, <laughs> you're, you've been retired for a long time. No one cares that you like Disneyland. So, Betty stuck by his side for a long time, and the two fought like crazy. He had become a rock star and was never home. He was out banging chicks. He wasn't pimping. Well, he may have been pimping, allegedly. Uh, He was given talks, and when he was at home, he was an isolationist. Some say he picked up uh, pimping on the side, like I just... Like cash pimping? Yeah, like, you know, bitches would just do shit for you. Yeah. Um, Like, basically, what we all do today with, like, Uber Eats and, like, Uber, but he had girls that would do that for him. Right, exactly. When you're trying to make ends meet, um, he he really figured it out. Just do, like, if you don't have to go get the bitches, you can bring them to you, you know, they'll just show up. Yeah. Make it happen. Anyway, enough of that. Also, How- you're a world famous pimp. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's you some think- women that just want to be pimped. They really like that's what get, that's where they get their self worth from. Man, it's fucking weird. Yeah, and us yeah. laymen have to pretend sometimes. You know, I, I don't talk, understand. I asked a prostitute why she, um, like, why she was in the lifestyle at one point, and I got some really weird answers, man. What'd she say? Tell me a thing. Well, okay, so her name was Nadia. And she wasn't exactly much of a looker, but she didn't look bad either. She was young enough where she could get away with it, basically. I forget how she even knew me. I think she saw me smoking a, smoking a cigarette outside, and I saw her. I was like, hey, you smoke weed? And she's like, oh, yeah, I had no idea this chick was a damn prostitute making a house call. Right. And uh, so she'd come over, and she'd buy, like, uh, like dime bags for her Johns and shit like that. And... You know, it was always weird because I guess I guess she expected me to like make a pass at her or something like that. I just really wasn't interested in her and something like that. I found her I found her interesting though because like prostitute drama is like stripper drama on crack, man. Yeah. Like it's 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 drama that's so out there, it doesn't even make sense. It makes them like emotionally shut down. It's kinda sad. But uh, she was able to make a little bit extra money on the side, and we would sit there and, you know, smoke weed together and, like, watch, like, the old animated, like, Disney movies and shit. So, but, you know, I asked her why, you know, why she, you know, why she was a prostitute. And, and basically, it was because she just had a certain expectation of living, and it was the easiest way to do it right. that she could just tolerate. Like, for whatever reason, she, like... She said that she didn't mind just, like, getting used like that because, like, oh, man, she told me some fucked up shit about, like, her childhood and shit like that where I'm like, damn, okay. This is, like, the daddy issues are, like, out of control for this shit. Like, uh-huh. it was so off the scales. I didn't even, like, sometimes I didn't even know how to respond. But this is just sometimes the kind of people you meet whenever you're running a trap house and shit. Yeah. I mean, at the risk of sounding like a Long Island Jew, it's always childhood trauma. 
Well, I'm just saying, sometimes uh, you don't mind being used. I mean, if I was an attractive man, I'd say my anus is ready for anything. Hell, dude. Like, I- Oh, dude, that'd be amazing. Imagine if you if uh, you just had chicks lining up like willing to pay you a couple hundred bucks to fuck them right? or something like that. I think it's very think different for dudes. Like, yeah, I don't think well, so. Well, then you're entering Jonathan Sin's territory. I would be surprised yeah. if John Sin's- Or Jason Lee. What is the- Jason? Okay. What if Kieran what Lee? If Kieran Lee, returned? Mike's favorite. What if the tables return? What if you met some chicks where she's like, oh, I know a lot of other housewives that are bored and looking to fuck. And then, you know, they're will- she's willing to pay you like a couple hundred bucks a night to have a- to set up the chicks that you're going to be fucking and shit like that. And that's basically what Iceberg Slim was doing. Yeah. Yeah, except he would uh, beat women into agreeing to it. But like, that's also, I don't, mind, I don't mind pain. You don't well, like that. Yeah, but as he got older, he looked as the violence as being an amateur. Yeah. Because as you get older, you can't just be beating chicks up all the time because you're old and you're tired and shit. How many bitches you got to beat today? You'd be lucky you can beat up one bitch when you're like 40. <laughs> yeah, you got to psych- You got to psychologically fuck them. So his next book is Death Wish, which was a mafia story. See, he did deal with mafia people. He doesn't okay. talk about it much in Pimp, but it didn't do that well. Uh, Beck kind of gives up writing for a while. And Betty actually had to get a job because the money just slowed down so much. And they were expecting more money from Holloway House, and it just kind of dried up. Beck saw this. uh, He he was kind of – oh, excuse me. I skipped a part. Oh, yeah. So Betty saw this, like, her working and Mm -hmm. him not working as a form of pimping. Like, she had very strict rules with him. Like, things you're not allowed to do. And she left him after a few fights. She's like, I'm not paying for this place. Good for Betty. Yeah, so she took the kids, and um, she's on her way. So, Beck, he's alone. He's semi-broke. He's in failing health. He got the sugar foot diabetes, and he's losing his sight now. Shouldn't have ate too many drinkings. Look, cocaine will actually expedite that, too. Oh, dude, these pimps would drink Coca-Cola with sugar in it. Ew! Oh yeah, that that and was so weird. They, they, these hoes would give him a Coca Cola that they'd spoon some sugar in and sit there and stir it up like with a straw for him. I can't even drink Coke because it's too sugary already. I, I well, have you had granulated sugar floating around inside your Coca Cola? No. no, apparently it's for big pimping individuals that makes that money. You know what I'm <laughs> yeah, or fucking like people that do heroin. Because I worked at a Starbucks in Portland, and these guys would come in and they would ask for. The weirdest one I got was 15 uh, raw sugars, seven pumps of, like, vanilla, which is just sugar, and then coffee on top of that with milk. And, like, literally, it was a, it was a venti yeah. cup, and it was all fucking sugar and syrup, and then just, like, a splash. Yeah, Junkie's got a hell of a sweet tooth. Yeah. Man. It's crazy. Oh, uh, damn. Now he's got the sugar foot. So he's got the sugar foot going on. He's It's not good. He had a he had to pick up writing again. He was just like, "Fuck it, I need some shit going on." Um, he put out a series of essays called "Airtight Willie and Me." Came out, unfortunately for him, it was there was an oversaturation for this writing style. Like he had started the style, and now there's a billion people doing it. Yeah, so it just didn't have any traction. He also found out that there was a couple films film rights that had been purchased from him or licensed, and uh, they were all abandoned. Oh. So he is, he's really not doing well monetarily. But like the black exploitation films going on right now, I mean, I feel like that would probably be fucking right up their alley. Well, so there was one film, tr- they made a film about Trick Daddy. Okay. And it didn't do that great. 
but it did well enough. And, yeah. you know, he was probably ripped off there a bit. He probably right. got involved in a bad contract. Um, his spending habits weren't, like, at all what they used to be. He wasn't – he would still buy nice things, but he didn't need to get a new pair of shoes every day. It was toned down. He ends up marrying a fan of his in 1982. Diane Millman wrote him a letter with her phone number, so he called. She started visiting him, and eventually they became lovers. She had three kids, so he started spending time at her house, which was good. New invigoration. Something like pee-pee diarrhea time. Yeah, he's taking care. Now, he'd read chapters of his work to her. He, uh, He did make a body of work that would be published after he died, while he was with her, but it's he he didn't want to do anything with Holloway House. He mm-hmm. was over Holloway House, and legally he was obligated to give them the option to do the book. So he was in a pickle. He couldn't right. go to another publisher. Right. It was a terrible deal. I hope we get worked in the corner with like a deal like that on this show. I'm gonna yeah, this show is actually gonna do that. We're gonna yeah. launch. We're gonna get. We're gonna work with Spotify. Yeah. And then uh, they're going to say, oh, here's your million dollars. Just kidding. It's Joe Rogan. <laughs> going to wake you up every morning and punch you in the balls. Hello, I'm Dude, Joe I Rogan. I can't <laughs> wait. I can't wait to sell out and get all rich and detached with reality and shit like that. It looks fun. Yeah, it looks great. I am 100% on board with people making a gross amount of money and forgetting what humans are. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah, it'd be nice because apparently when you got a whole lot of money, you get called eccentric and shit like that. Oh, yeah. uh, It's like e-commerce, but it revolves around you. I People make up all sorts of reasons as to why someone that has a lot of money is cool. Yeah. Well, sometimes they have cool things, but from my experience, people who have cool things aren't always cool. Cool things are cool. Dude, Elon Musk has a lot of cool things, got, but he also got, got Asperger's. Cool yeah, he's really that, that, out there. That's one of the ways that I would, I would flex on people. I'd have something like this. Like, I got my lighter, but it's got some 14 times refined butane. If you just hit it, it's a, a torch, and when you let go, it turns into a soft flame. Whoa! But... I can hold this thing under glass for a while and it doesn't leave any soot behind because of just how pure the butane is. And that's what I would do to like get under people fucking under weed snobs' like skin and shit like that just to fuck with them. Yeah. Right, calling them out. And like, just, oh, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I'm making money and smoking weed. Uh, what are you doing? What? Uh, you're just, oh, you're buying yeah. my weed. Yeah. Well, you need me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the biggest travesty of, you know, weeds being le- becoming legal now. That's the biggest travesty of weed becoming legal is that now is that they've always called uh, weed people dealers. They should have been called weed pimps. Oh. Have sex with my butt. <laughs> uh. now, he was in his 60s, right? Slim or uh, Robert Beck, as he's going by, he's in his 60s. His body is really falling apart. He's in constant pain. He's still haunted by his past, too, because now all the glamour has died. The distractions kind of died. He's got to just sitting there with his thoughts. By the late... 80s, he is he's in his own little apartment most of the time. He's still married to Diane, but she he has his own little spot. Where's this apartment? In LA. In LA, okay. So he likes being alone. He just hides up in his little apartment and he's got a pair of binoculars and he's doing his people watching. That's his his favorite thing to do. He can barely see, so that's even a chore. He's somewhat of a living legend in the neighborhood, as you could imagine. I mean, people drop by to bring him weed and food and shit. 
when the younger kids came by, he talked to them about the life thing and tried to do the positive thing. Right. Because he's dealing with that guilt still, and he's laying it on thick. You know, there's certain mm-hmm. kids that would come by, and they'd tell, hey, I got, you know, I'm doing this thing. It's like, well, don't do that. Go to school. That's right. basically what he was saying all the time. Go to school. Stop it. Yeah. Uh, but a lot but more then, like, Snoop Doggy Dog would be like, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah, he'd be like, yeah, I'm a hero. And he's just like, well, go to school. He's just like, oh, I'm a pimp. And he's like, have you read the book? <laughs> have you read the book? Read my books, please. Yeah, dog. That's what yeah. he did. And now Snoop Doggy Dog works with Martha Stewart selling lighters that can light your stove and joint. That's amazing. And other things. And other yeah. things. Yeah. It's probably not as tight as that lighter you got right there, Adam. Yeah, no, it definitely isn't. <laughs> Oh, well, I got fancy lighters, uh, like fancier ones, like ones that are made in Paris and shit. Hold on a second. Like, like, like that's the St. DuPont right there. This thing has, like, a bunch of diffuser coils in it and stuff like that. You can't really see that, but it has a really, like, soft flame on it. Huh. But, you know, having little smoking accessories, because I, I smoked out of, like, little glass pipes, and people were smoking joints and shit like that at the time. You didn't really see a whole lot of the edibles and vape carts and shit like that. I did know some people that can make hash oil, but back then the only way to really smoke it effectively was that I could think of was to smoke it out of a hash pi- or a, a meth pipe. You just like, go get a puka and you drop hash oil on that thing and sit there and you look like a damn crackhead smoking that shit. But I'll tell you what, it got you fucking high. There you go. Yeah, I've never minded. I've never done crack once, and I I currently look like a crackhead. Yeah, you do kind of a little yeah. bit. <laughs> we also look fantastic. It's a great heroin chic. Zen again. God, it was in the 90s. All right. <laughs> We're doing the last of this. Yeah, finish. Kill him. We can't do We, we can't do ask me the question. Can I go, kill him? Sure, kill him. Let's do it that way. His kidneys are failing. <laughs> the diabetes got his legs pretty bad. He loses sight in one eye. A slew of issues. Uh, during this time, actually, Mike Tyson becomes friends with him. Oh. He pops oh. by. I was actually... Okay. Mike Tyson's badass. You know how Mike Tyson got in those legal troubles for boxing with a woman who didn't consent to boxing? Um, <laughs> he tried to convince him not to do that. He was going through some woman problems, and yeah. Slim went out of his way and even wrote about this several times. He was just like, I've been trying to tell Mike to not hit women. I did it enough to, for the rest for the entire race. Stop it. Oh, shit. Uh. <laughs> but he ended up doing that. Either way. Uh, Beck's final days overlap with the Rodney King riots, something that uh, he saw coming because he was very, he read a lot and the low employment rates in the areas, they were skyrocketing. The black communities there were suffering. Uh, His sugar foot got him and became gangrenous. So he got that bee's foot. He got the, like, diabetes. He's got the shittiest foot out there. All right. Uh, He was taken to a hospital where they... Intended to lob his foot off to keep him alive. But he was at the point, he was in a lot of pain. He didn't want to do it, refused the surgery, and he died of a heart attack that night, April 30th, 1992. That's probably a bad... I mean, I feel like, are you? do you really want someone to lop your foot off and then be like, you're going to die anyway? Uh, yeah, dude. Well, then you can get a real pimpin' fucking gold leg or something. Oh, that is like true. That. Like then, a pirate's then you get, peg that's made out of, like, diamonds and gold. And you can bring your pimp cane anywhere to freaking smack Fuck, a hoe. Yeah. yeah. Well, they, if they have caught him, maybe in his 40s, he would have done that. Yeah. But now, like, 
he's he's yeah, so far I gone. Mean, like he's on he's he, he knows he's on the downward slope. That this is when you know they say it's like the golden years. I mean, really, this is where you just got to get adult diapers and your life becomes. Really yeah, he's sad. basically so he's at like, Lavar. You know, he's at Lavar Burton status now. He couldn't do Jeopardy. He can't do Reading Rainbow anymore. His eyes are yeah. You're done. <laughs> Lavar Burton status. He he seems pretty healthy. Yeah, he seems uh, healthy, but he can't do Jeopardy. That's People true. Don't like him. Can't read. Uh, <laughs> it's a hoax. Oh, all right. Wrapping this up, Tyson helped plan and pay for Beck's funeral while he was alive. So that was taken care of. He had enough celebrity still. Three of his novels were released posthumously. Post. I never know how to say this word. Post. Post. Posthumous. Post. Posthumously. Yeah. Either way, after he died. So, uh, Tomb Fox, written in 1978. I feel like we should know that word. We, I, no, whether we do. Yeah, I, I just realized that I've been saying it wrong for, like my, for a while. I said posthumously for some reason, and I get and I've realized that I've been saying it like that for way too long, and I felt really dumb. That's what I've been saying until I thought about it. I I have been, but that's terrible out. because that's what we do on the show. Yes, yeah, posthumously. Uh, yeah, and I've honestly never said it because I know I'm in the same boat as you, Adam. I I'm not a lawyer. I am at risk here. I'm vulnerable. <laughs> I'm like, ah, I just won't say it. After he died, that's what After I've been he saying. died. So he releases three books Doom Fox, The Shetnanny Sisters, Shetannies. I never read that out loud. Shetanny Sisters, and uh, Night Train to Sugar Hill. So three books came out after Winter's estate that Diana was involved with. There was all kind of legal battles with his uh, daughters from. Uh, many ladies. Oh, uh, Betty. No, I don't think he had a lot of. He didn't have really? any of those. Yeah, because he pulled out a lot, and uh, he didn't. He didn't service ladies as much as you think. He probably got laid like while he was pimping. His two decades of pimping, he may have got laid once or twice a week, because oh, okay. he wanted to stick keep distance. Yeah, you don't want to shoot ropes in there because then she gets also, attached. Also, when you're doing the, as much cocaine as he was doing. Hard to shoot ropes. You're not shooting any ropes. You're yeah. not Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a that real problem. Yeah. So, that's that. It's Cocaine was basically the ver now version of antidepressants. You're not shooting ropes. Dude, dude, I, I was real depressed at one point, and uh, a friend of mine came back from the oil field with a huge fucking grip of cash, and he always spends all his money before he goes out to the oil field again, dude, and it, it, he's not back for that long. And so he comes back with a whole bunch of coke, and I'll tell you what, that got me off the couch fucking fast, dude. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, like, while I was hustling. It's not get you off fast, and, though. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if, you, if it was the right venue with the right people and the right vibe, man, it was a hell of a good fucking time. Yeah, well. I think that's what cocaine is best known for, having a great time and ruining lives. And Ronald Reagan discreetly. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was scared of this stuff, like, really grabbing onto me, man. So I would make sure to just not have it around. Where once I had, once I was burned through my stash, I made sure to try to make it just inconvenient enough to get more that I would leave it alone. Yeah, that's a trick. Yeah, you kind of have to, like, plan for your future griminess. You got to know yourself a little bit. Yeah, you lived a lifestyle where it's probably in front of you all the time. Uh, I, no. No? People are real wary about that stuff. Coke's a different charge. Yeah, yeah as soon it as ups you have it. very much of it, that's a federal charge, man. So it was never just around on the breakdown, but it was around. 
So if people wanted to pick up a decent enough amount and the money was a hundred, then we didn't have to work. Then, then it was available. But I didn't do a whole lot of those deals. But every once in a while, I'd want to do it myself. And so, yeah, I could get it basically whenever I wanted it. Like, that wasn't a problem. And on top of that, I knew some old schools where we would, like, break it down and bring it back and make, make a lavida, which is, like, the wash. And that stuff was, like, pure, 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 pure. It basically washed all the impurities that had been stomped into it back out of it. And this stuff was, like, real light and fluffy, and, like, a bump will make half of your face fucking numb, dude. It was fucking awesome. Oh, that sounds like... And, and, that sounds like what my heart does after dominoes. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, you bring a little bullet of that shit to the club, and, man, let me tell you, you are everyone's fucking best friend. Yeah, I love being sober. That's all I have to say. It's yeah, been, Tom, it's, you see all these beers you've missed out on? It's been 18 hours of sobriety, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I am not uh, having fun. You know what I am having fun with? The episode. Oh, this, this was, was a fun. great boy. Yeah. Thank you, Tom, for yeah, bringing this Yeah, this was a good in. one. Thanks for being here, guys. Adam, I hope you had a good time riding the, uh, the Iceberg Simpson train. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed learning about this dude. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff about his story that speaks to me, man. Like, it's, it's pretty cool. Sure, our listeners would like that very much, hearing you speak uh, about your experiences and stuff. And, hey, where can they go to hear you talk all the time? Well, I have a podcast with Cripple Jesus called uh, Who Gives a Shit, where we literally beg the question, who gives a shit? We'll take something that's happening in the news, and we'll really try to figure out who actually cares about this. And even if they should, usually not. There's some really dumb things that people give a shit about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I every every time I've listened, I'm I'm surprised by the level of stupidity that like people fucking go into things. You know? Yeah, and then we go through Reddit and find the worst shit that we can find on Reddit and how dumb people can be about to talking about a topic. That's our to catch a redditor segment. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, to catch a redditor. I like that when you guys uh, <laughs> you bring in subjects and you make each other guess where what the news outlet is. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's a great angle too. Yeah, yeah, because uh, it's so rare we ever guess it right. Because everything's the fucking same. You might be able to guess one aisle or the other from time to time, but usually it's all the same fucking tripe. Yeah, Dystopian sure. future, robots <laughs> yeah, and dude. androids, Bezos in the cum jar. <laughs> I recently did one where I'm like, oh shit, the cyberpunk timeline is further forward than I thought it was, dude. Corporations can buy prosecutions now. We're fucked, dude. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild stuff. So... I, uh, I urge our listeners, go check out Who Gives a Shit with Adam from Houston and Cripple Jesus. Also, if you want to support us on Patreon, it's patreon.com slash WGA Shit Show. Uh, also, at WGA Shit Show, uh, we're on Twitter. I'm not really anywhere, but if you can find me on Discord, I'm usually around. Adam from Houston, man. You're the man. The Appreciate legend. your time. Uh, and uh, Roast Mortem, you know all the stuff, probably. Yeah, you, you don't know, even know. So. I mean... Pretty much, you just go go to your local grocery store and ask for one roast mortem coupon. Yeah, exactly. There you can go to, uh, they'll send you to patreon.com slash roastmortemcast, where we will find a way to to ruin your money. We will make you regret your purchase. Yeah, I mean, one of these days I might just post a picture of my flaccid penis. Uh, that's, so we're gonna we to might change. get booted off the, the platform. No, that's all right. We haven't said that much hate speech stuff. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, uh, no, my penis does. The the no, my penis has man. tattoos of racist slurs. CJ doesn't <laughs> like getting spicy, man. 
because uh, it's really hard for people to argue that he is uh, low on the totem pole for the uh, Prussian Olympics and shit like that, so he can get away with a lot of jokes. It was his idea to make our first episode just the letter N for the first episode. I'm like, oh, come on, dude. <laughs> yeah, he gets away with murder, and uh, I love that about him. Oh, yeah, man. I want to let our listeners go. So good, good night, right. everyone. Danky Shane, Adam, stick around. We'll hang out for a Danky Shane. Yeah, guess what? Uh, you can do diarrhea out of the front of your body. <laughs> oh, That's you. called what PP is. And uh, if you're a lady, you could do it out of the close to your bottom of your body. That's called what PP is. All right, I'm cutting you off. Nope, nope, nope. Danky Shane. Danky Shane.